Tonight's episode of the Tuesday Night Cigar Club is brought to you by Drew Estate. Come experience the rebirth of cigars at www.drewestate.com and download the free Drew Diplomat smartphone app today to discover nearby retailers, RSVP to special events, redeem points to win exclusive Drew Estate merchandise, and much, much more. Sisters of the Leaf, come you live once again from, well, all over the fucking place. It's the Tuesday Night Cigar Club. Tonight the boys congregate once again by a live video to find the answer to the age-old question. If Elon Musk can send a car into outer space, why can't scientists make a more aerodynamic butt plug? Or something like that. And to help our crew of lovable numbnuts on their quest, They'll welcome Room 101's Matt Booth to the show to introduce tonight's cigar, the Doomsayer Aggressive, which they'll be pairing with a plethora of beers as they talk their way through the underseen action thrill ride that is 1999's Point Doom. The movie stars Richard Greco and Angie Everhart, so you know damn well things are going to get steamy up in there. It sounds like we're in store for one hell of a good, horny time, folks, so sit back. Light them up and enjoy the show. Welcome, everybody, to the Tuesday Night Cigar Club, episode 115, live. Well, live is in we're still alive and somehow sort of doing okay. At least I am. You guys doing all right? Doing good. Hey, most of you look somewhat healthy. Um, before we get, once again, uh, listeners and viewers, we are doing this tonight's show uh, spread out in four corners of Central Texas. Uh, we can't be together because of the uh, quarantine, COVID-19 shit show, and uh, we're doing the Zoom format, so bear with us. I think we've finally figured this thing out, but you know what? You guys always like this. We've done it a few times before. Before we get into tonight's show, into the meat and potatoes of the Tuesday Night Cigar Club podcast, we've received some viewer emails, and I thought I'd print out. Oh, a cool. sam- yeah, I thought I'd print out a sampling of them, a random five or so. There's a bunch to choose from, but I, I narrowed it down. Uh, I thought if we could answer them on the air, I imagine there are a lot of fans out there who might be having the same questions or thoughts regarding the show in this time of confusion and uncertainty so uh i I just print out a little sample and uh just knock a couple of these out 
Yeah, yeah. let's hear. Let's hear. You know, I'll, you know, I always enjoy this part. Awesome. You love Tut. You love fan interaction. Big fan of it. Love interacting. You're a fan of the fans. I'm a fan man. You're a fan man. Uh, could you change your name down on the Zoom thing to Fan Man? That'd be kind of cool. Fan Man, new new nickname. Uh, email number one. Love that you guys are pulling together shows for us during the quarantine. Only wish there was more of them. Well, that's positive. When do you think you'll be able to all sit at the table together again and do the show the way everyone has come to love it? Keep up the awesome work. Regards, Duke. Thank you, Duke. Well, yeah. Um, we don't know, you know, uh, I just started my gym. I just started first interaction I've had with other humans other than a grocery store in two and a half months. My gym opened this week. Uh, so it's baby steps. Um, Cody, yak boy, the, the pub is opening up where the podcast started this Friday in a limited capacity. Um, so that's awesome. news. And so these little baby steps, but I imagine it's going to be a little bit Duke, a little bit longer before we're all kind of comfortable traveling and, and getting together here in the, in the corner of no hope. Uh, but I want it just as badly as you do. I miss it. That's the way this show is meant to be sitting at the table together. But I, th- I think we're doing the, you know, an admirable job of simulating the experience. Uh, okay. Start off with a winner, huh? Email number two. Hey, TNCC, love the show. Any chance you might invite a female fan to join you fellas while you are doing the shows via remote video? A gal can wish, right? Also, I hate to be the one to say this, but, and she wrote but in all caps, it needs to be said, when are you going to start having Cade's hands featured in the website cigar photos instead of whoever's hands you are photographing during the quarantine. She actually put hands in quotations there. Uh-huh. With the release of each new episode, I look forward to seeing Cade's creamy yet rugged, delicate but still masculine hands holding the cigar. I miss them in my life, and I'm sure others do too. Give us Sisters of the Leaf what we want, damn it. Still a fan for now, Scarlet. Yikes. She sure is passionate about the show. Yeah, I'll yeah, the show. I'll give her that. Uh, what do you, what do you, hands aside, uh, I think that's kind of a moot point. Uh, so what, what do y'all think about asking a female to join the show or at least guest, guest in on the show, especially now when it's so easy, they can just zoom in and. Hey, we had director sky on. That was a great show. That's my, that's where I'm going. That was a great show. She, she had a good time. We interviewed. I think five years of the same old, same old. I think bringing in a scrappy do or a cousin Oliver at this point is a good idea. I want to, if you're a funny film loving female out there and you want on the show, you contact, you send us an email and we'll think, we'll think that's what, that's what women are to you. Scrappy do's. Well, my, my analogy there was characters that enter (laughs) cousin Oliver, Brady, uh, Sam on different strokes, you know, last minute, Hail Mary is to try to save a dying sinking ship. <laughs> not, saying, not saying that's what we are. Other, yeah, that, that actually, it's only a matter of time. They actually say that in email three. Uh, but yeah, if you, if, uh, yeah, I'd love to have a, I'd love to have a female join us. I think it'd be interesting. And um, 
I'm all about spicing things up. I agree. Email number three. Hey, gang, big fan here. I really dig the show, but have you ever considered pairing the Stogies with something other than craft beer for all of us out there who don't drink alcoholic beverages? That's a good question. Personally, I love grape soda, exclamation point. Just a thought. Stay groovy, Ripper. All right, Ripper. Uh, it's, uh-huh. kind of, it's kind of difficult for us to not drink alcoholic beverages while we smoke because if the sun's down and we've got any ounce of free time, we're, we're drinking alcoholic beverages. Uh, that's just kind of how we roll, but never say never. Hey, throw some vodka off in that little uh, grape thing and uh... vodka grape vodka grape soda. Now you're thinking, Tut. Now you're thinking. Okay, good email. Thanks, Ripper. Email number four. So what's going on with the cigar picks? I'm no forensic scientist, but I sure as shit know those aren't Cade's hands holding the cigars in your photos the last few months. Unless he's become sick and something is seriously wrong with him, which would be devastating for the show, obviously. It's bad enough that we can't see his muscular arms on screen due to the new video conferencing format. Damn you, coronavirus. But to lose our bi-weekly glimpses of those beautiful hands is just too much. I hate China for what they've done to the Tuesday Night Cigar Club. That was signed Lady J. Man, a lot of... Thank you, Lady J. Um, yeah. yeah. Hang in there, bear with us. Um, I got one last email. Um, let's talk about the hands. Dear TNCC, question for Yakboy. When is O'Brien's Irish Pub going to open back up? I just answered that this coming Friday. I love swinging through Temple when I'm stationed in Central Texas. I miss my favorite drinking spot. Military man. Also, while you are all having to do the video conferencing podcast, is there any way to make Cade's square bigger on the screen and the other guy's square smaller? Keep up the great work. Flint. I don't know, Tut. You're the kind of our Zoom expert. Is that a, is that something you could? What were you gonna say, Yak Boy? Oh, Yak Boy froze. <laughs> he froze in a very passionate uh, pose there too. He looked like he was about to say something pretty <laughs> damn important. Uh, well, thank you, Flint, for uh, the email. I don't know about. The way that Zoom operates, as far as the squares, I don't know why you would want my square bigger, but I can tell you, as far as for your question, I can assure you that O'Brien's Irish Pub in downtown historic Temple, Texas, is open for business this coming Friday. Today is what, the 20th? So that would be Dr. Friday would be the... 22nd. What what did you say that last name was? Uh, Flint. And the one before that was uh, Lady J. And I know the other one was. Total. I'm just using their. I'm just using their first names, or and I'm leaving out last names. Dude, these uh, are all. They. they the one no. Is the uh, Rip Ripper, which is clearly. Uh, and this Scar- is, I, No, Rip. I'm calling. I'm calling BS. These are all GI Joe names. Did you what just you make the? Did you make these up and put GI Joe names on there? What do you? Did you pull up Google on your phone? Yes. Dodge the question, Kate. Oh, because just so happens the emails are written by Duke, Scarlet, Ripper, Lady J, and Flint. All GI Joe characters. I don't even know. I don't even know what GI Joe is. (laughs) What is is that? 
child of the 80s and you don't know G.I. Joe? So wait a minute, you're saying I wrote these emails to myself and signed off all of them as G.I. Joe characters? That's exactly what I'm saying. Oh, wait. I missed... I missed one email, maybe email number six. Dear TNCC, why is Tut such an asshole? Am I the only one watching on YouTube who wants to see what Cade has going on under the table? My guess is he has an enormous penis. Sincerely, Tollbooth. Tollbooth, come on. Tollbooth, wait, you're going to tell me Tollbooth was a G.I. Joe character? Tollbooth is totally a G.I. Joe character. Yeah, boy, we lost you there for a sec. Uh, were, Were you going to say something? Oh, he's frozen again. <laughs> uh, yes. yes, I was. I, I, Tud is accusing me of writing these emails myself and signing them off as G.I. Joe characters. Could you please confirm that I would never do something that juvenile and, well, that's just wrong. I, I can confirm that, in fact, Tuttle is correct. Agree to disagree. You know what? That's it. No more viewer mails. I'm sorry. My apologies to Scarlett and Lady J and and with the seemingly very gentle and sensitive Ripper and the seemingly very boring <laughs> and gay Tolbooth. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry these guys can't handle uh, a differing opinion than their own. Uh, thank you, Doctor, for backing me up on this. I wasn't backing you up. I just was going to let uh, Yaks and Tut fight that one. Okay, moving on. Um, oh, we just got a tweet from Snake Eyes. <laughs> what did he say? Who's that? <laughs> Don't pretend. Sorry. Otherwise, I'm going to have to go to my therapist, Dr. Mindbender. <laughs> uh, Not that I would ever would, Doc. I would, I would never do that. Uh, again, your that's your therapist's name. Okay, moving on. This is Sorry, Ted, I, I got a date tomorrow with a lovely lady who goes by the handle Storm Shadow. <laughs> we'll see what that's all about. <laughs> yeah, boy, do you know what they're talking about? Because I sure don't. Uh, do, but I'm please like move on to my sad news. All right, I know everybody loves. I know I know everybody loves sad news. Yeah, yeah. There's uh, plenty but, of it these days. Before we get into the show, there was some sad news last week since we last saw you guys. Thank oh, yeah. yeah. We sadly had a legend uh, pass away earlier this week. Uh, you know where this is going. A true pop culture legend, and I say that with confidence, and I know his work certainly played a big part in many of our lives over the years for sure. I'm, of course, talking about Jerry Stiller, uh, who played the iconic role of Frank Costanza on Seinfeld for so many incredible seasons. It's my favorite TV show of all time. And Jerry Stiller was right up there. Tut's laughing at a man's death. His, he was right up there with the four core players on that show who made it what it was. The greatest television comedy of all time. Whenever any of the Seinfeld principal cast members pass away, I will always fill the boot up in their memory without hesitation. Mainly because none of you guys are here to fight me on it. Um, Jerry Stiller was born in 1927. He had a wonderful comedic career with his wife well before Seinfeld. And he sadly passed away on Monday at the age of 92, last Monday. It's a damn good run for a damn talented performer. 92? Really good run. Really good run. And a great Uh, career. So I have the boot of remembrance. Here's to Jerry Stiller. May he rest in peace. 
Any other uh, things you guys want to talk about? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of hard to dig at Jerry Stiller, but you know who else died? And I understand why he didn't, because most other people forget that he's, he was around anyway, and he never got the credit that he deserved, even if he was in the Hall of Fame. They still didn't give him the credit he deserved, and that is the architect of rock and roll, the fabulous, the one and only Little Richard. He passed away. I actually knew that, Tut, and I knew you wanted to talk about it, so that's why I threw the Jerry Stiller curve. I still love Jerry Stiller, but I, I just wanted to see the crushing look of disappointment on your face when I went into it, and then I said Jerry Stiller. And, uh, tell yeah, us. That, that's fine, tell because us. you just, no, you talked yourself out of the Little Richard story. I'm sure all no, of I'm the, just, I'm, No, I'm lying. Okay, so uh, we were well, doing well, this. First of all, let, me, let me just preface this real quick. Little Richard has indeed been called the architect of rock and roll. Mm-hmm. Well, guys of our age probably aren't too familiar with more than two or three of his songs. The proof of his influence is in the name drops he gets from the Beatles, yeah. Yeah. the Stones. Anybody in rock and roll who matters has referenced Little Richard as the guy who started all. So that you can't deny that. But as a traveling musician yourself at one point on the mm-hmm. country western music scene, you actually shared this on Facebook the other day and I thought it was fascinating. Have a little Richard story. Yep. All right. So uh, I'm, I'm a, for most of my career, I was country piano player. Uh, I always idolized, you know, the, the big guys, the, the uh, Jerry Lee Lewis's, the uh, little Richards. I, I just like that old fifties bebop, you know, just piano, just banging around. And I love the fact because both of those guys were just showmen. I mean, throwing their legs up on the keys, standing on the keys, just having a good old time and putting on a performance. I always hate musicians. Like it's all about the art and the craft. I'm just going to stand here. Well, that's a boring ass show. I mean, you're Fuck playing you, good, Floyd. but that's boring. Fuck you. So, Floyd, go to hell. Sorry. <laughs> so anyway, uh, so we were playing some casino and I, I can't remember exactly where I think it was like either South Dakota or one of the someplace up there uh and anyway so the casino's manager comes up we're doing our we're doing our set on one side of the complex the casino manager comes up it's like i need you to tear all this down uh haul your equipment all all the way across the complex set up and do an opening act for little richard uh he He's here, but he won't go on stage because of his religion. His religion was like, hey, you're not going to perform until the sun goes down. So he's not going to do it. And so we were like, yeah, all right, cool. So, you know, we went over there and their did he, band. Did he did he worship the moon? I don't know. It's just. What's that all about? I, I don't I don't know. Uh, I just figured that, you know, when you're that big. It's kind of like it's kind of like the divas, you know. They can pull all that crap when you're when you're that big. If it was me at that casino, it's like I refuse to go on before sundown. They're like, "You're out of here." Beat the shit out of you. You got <laughs> the lot by sundown then. <laughs> exactly. So we get over there, and his band was just all kinds of gracious. So they they helped us sit around because we couldn't move their stage setup, so we had to set up all around them. Uh, they helped us out. We went on. We did a rocking set, and it was. It was fun. There were so many blue hairs and silver hairs, and it was like Geritol Hall up in there. It was just a sea of shining silver, but everybody had a good time. And so uh, then the manager was like, all right, thank you for doing that. Now tear all your stuff down. Go back and finish your last set. We, we were doing four sets that night, and so we were all just pumped up on the drill, and I'm like, cool. 
And so we tore down and I'm walking off the stage and all of a sudden this, this like Batman like shadow just kind of falls across me. And I look over in this Joker like face. It was like these huge eyes and this bright, bright smile just, and I, it, it, I almost did exactly that. I almost, I almost jumped and screamed out and this hand comes up, pats me on the shoulder and it's like, Woo, not bad boy. Not bad. And I just realized that country music player Tuttle just had little Richard tap me on the shoulder and say, not bad. And that's fine. I just won life. Absolutely won life that night. That's a great story. What was he referring to as not bad as you were bent over? My ass. It's spectacular. <laughs> the way the way you were packing up your deer, or did he listen to you play? I, I'm assuming he listened to me play. Okay. I'm, think, I'm thinking that was the implication, Kay, that he was impressed with Tuttle's keyboarding, but that would have been funny too. Woohoo! Not bad, boy! <laughs> I've seen a lot of people tear down their machines, and you're the best, boy. You're actually, you're not the best. You're not good. But you're not bad. Well, I've just, hey, I've did heard, you hear my playing? No. <laughs> I just I've heard Tuttle tell this story a couple of times, and each one he's he very he's very poignant to mention he was bent over when he saw the shadow loom over him. Tut, show me on the boot where Little Richard touched you. Okay, well, that, no, that is, right here on the shoulder. That is always to come that close to to legends is. I've never, I mean, he's an iconic dude. I don't think I've ever met anybody in that, in that category of, of significant entertainment history. I, I know I haven't, actually. Um, but after he died, I was reading some stuff and watching the news. I learned two things about Little Richard that made me a lot more interested in him dead than I was when he was alive. I wish I had known this stuff when he was alive. Okay. I would have got him to come on the podcast. Was what? it his uh, civil rights work? His civil rights work. Yeah. Three three things. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, okay. His, his civil his civil rights work. Yeah. He was born with one leg three inches shorter than the other. Okay. Yeah. yeah. He got his nickname Little Richard because he was weight he was really tiny, but he walked with a limp without his special shoes, so kids picked on him for that too. But here's the great thing. Uh, I, I put this a little bit over his civil rights work. As a young man, he used to put his poop in glass jars and decorate them and give them to people as gifts. <laughs> like pre-celebrity, like when he was like a teenager, like when he was a kid, he thought, you know, it was a part of him and he didn't want it to go to waste, so he gave them to people. How cool is that? Or how weird is that? Maybe it's cool. I don't know. Yak Boy, did you ever do that? Um... Not to my recollection, no. I, okay. Now that you say it, I really feel like I should. Uh, okay if I start now and do it. On a completely unrelated note, I'm canceling our Secret Santa gift exchange for the Tuesday Night Cigar Club this year. It's not happening. Uh, What's that smell under the tree? Oh, don't worry about it. <laughs> it's from it's from Yak Boy. It's got to be gift cards from the Yak's Leavings Gift Company. <laughs> uh, well. May you rest in peace, little Richard and Jerry Stiller. I poured some more beer into the boot. Uh, I made it a, a little hiking boot for Jerry Stiller and little Richard. Now, granted, some real celebrities, when we really liked, when they died, we'd go, yeah, but we were passing this thing around. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm all by myself here. 
May I now release their souls from the boot of remembrance. May they pass through purgatory into heaven and rest in peace. Bop, bop, doo, bop, bop, bam, boom, go to drink, drink the boot, go to drink, drink the boot, woo. I have to tone it down. I'm actually outside, so all of a sudden my neighbors are coming in. What are you doing? Wop, bop, doo, bop, drink the boot. A long, tall Sally touch. She's got everything Uncle John needs. <laughs> Boy, that good, beer, good that job, beer, Kate. That beer is not a chunky beer. <laughs> oh. The, but hey, it's a nice tri- it's a nice tribute, Cade, and uh, let's hope he's crapping in jars up in the sky, huh? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, double Bach was a wrong choice. Uh, woo! Ding! Oh, hey, that was a little. I, I gave a little Richard sound after the booth there. Woo! <laughs> yes, you did, Cade. Uh, okay. Well, yeah, boy, what do we do every uh, episode here on the Tuesday Night Cigar Club? We do three things, which one of them is not pooping in jars. <laughs> Wait, four things. Four things. I, I did some stuff earlier. Go ahead and start with just now I have Now I have questions, but you know what? I'm going to save it for later. It's, it's okay. all right. Three things. We combine, hopefully, a delicious premium cigar with Hopefully, a delicious craft beer. Hopefully, a jewel of cinema. Just a, a crown jewel of film, of hard work, a masterpiece of celluloid. Well, you guys know I, I have a very strict vetting process to select these films. I, I work really hard at getting us the gems, hopefully. Uh, and of course the, the cigars, I don't have a lot of say into the beers these days because we're all drinking different things. Usually we drink the same beer at the table paired perfectly expertly. Some say, I think Scarlett, uh, had another email where she called me a beer expert. Something about the sexiest beer expert. Yeah. 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 I'll define that. But, uh, yeah, this, that's kind of what we do, but we we're all drinking different stuff these days. Um, but let me introduce tonight's cigar. Because right now, it is my pleasure to finally welcome to the Corner of No Hope the main man behind room, the Room 101 brand, who's here to introduce tonight's cigar properly, Mr. Matt Booth. Welcome, Matt. Hello, I, everyone. I know you've been doing just a shit ton of these Zoom interviews and virtual herfs. It's, 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 and my hat's off to you guys uh, as far as manufacturers and, and brand owners you guys have stepped up to you know shops are doing their own virtual hearse with their customers and you guys are stepping up and joining in to give kind of a cool you know face to the meeting as opposed to the faces they see in the lounge every day and it, it's just i know you've been doing a ton of these things so thank it's you been delightful thank you very much for slicing out a little bit of time for us oddballs uh it's my pleasure man it's what i do and I actually, I actually relish the conversation, man. So I was looking forward to this. Uh, well, thanks. Uh, me too. You, you actually, Tut and I were talking before the show. I actually had told the guys we have two other members who aren't here tonight. I actually told them recently that we weren't going to interview any more cigar guys. I, I, I kind of had a bucket list uh, when we came into this, and it's grown. Mm-hmm. New faces over the last five years have come in. Some interesting people we've met. 
And uh, we had some great talks, but I was like, you know what? There's only one guy that I really wanted to get on the show from day one that we just haven't had an opportunity to. Who that? That's you. You're it. Oh, shit. Well, it's all over now, bro. No pressure. Sorry to disappoint. Yeah. No, no. Uh, after this interview, maybe Kate will finally let me go in peace. Uh, don't count your blessings on that. Uh, but yeah, so we've got tonight, Damn. I'm calling this five questions for Matt Booth. Okay. But as Tut looks down and shakes his head, the, the, my, my questions usually lead to some other questions. So if at any time you want to just tell me to fuck off and, and, and say goodnight, I will not be offended. It's happened Understood. before. Uh, how you how you doing in quarantine? Are you are you out in Los Angeles? Are you out in California? Yes. How are things out there? We're we're in, good, man. We're we're in Central Texas, right outside Austin. So oh, nice, man. Uh, hey, what does Texas think about Austin? Is it like a spaceship of hippies landed in the middle of your state? What uh, do they think about it? Well, it used to be a spaceship of hippies that landed in the middle of the state. Now it's a spaceship or a a bullet train of Californians that have infested Texas. That's what the rest of Texas thinks. That's what the the certain minds will have you. Yeah. Um, Californians, it, man. I know. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> likes the cool kids. <laughs> we do. I, I love California, actually. I, I spent uh, quite, quite a little bit of time out in L.A., and uh, I actually – we've gotten into this. I'm not going to get into it again, Todd. We've gotten this battle a lot on the show. I, I'm a very certainly preferred West coast to, to the East coast uh, scene. It's just, uh, I don't know. I just think that people are way more cool and relaxed. And uh, I, I think California gets a bad rip, but we won't. Well, I, I enjoyed it because uh, when the governor said that we could do takeout orders from bars and craft breweries, I'm like, that's not East Texans that allowed that to happen. That's those Californians in Austin. So y'all need to thank them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Gotta have that drink. Uh, it is essential to Texans and the Tuesday Night Cigar. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, Matt, uh, question number one. Let's get right into Tell it. Tell me. Much like one of our favorite past interviewees here in the corner of No Hope, uh, Tatuaje's Pete Johnson, mm-hmm. you have a history in the music industry. A little bit. Not only did you once work at the world famous Whiskey A Go Go, that uh, is a fact which is a, a, a really cool thing on your resume, but you played guitar in several bands. Uh, uh, bass. Bass, bass. It's a guitar. It's a git fiddle. Mm. It's uh, Tut- Tuttle's a keyboard player. And I mean, that, you're, you're, you're above a keyboard player. Uh, Maybe keytar, perhaps. That's the only way the keyboard players get the girls is the keytar. The keytar. Well, Pete talked, when we were talking, yeah. Pete said uh, he was... He talked quite a bit about how he was his dissatisfying experience in the music industry and the contrast there is between that and his overall journey in the world of premium tobaccos. Did you also notice a great divide in the way you were initially treated by established cigar folks versus the music bigwigs? It's just one is kind of welcoming and encouraging you to succeed while the others just doing everything they can to squash your hopes and dreams. Does that, does that ring similar to you or well i mean look in in music uh you know i i did uh you know i sought out a well-rounded experience in that world so i interned at a couple record labels i 
uh, floated around the warehouses of several of the gear companies that that uh, actually sponsored me or endorsed me at the time, uh, as well as working um, in in a position of, of support for live show uh, as a sound engineer and a lighting engineer. And through all that, I really figured out very quickly that if I wasn't going to be playing, writing, performing music, I really wanted nothing to do with the the rest of it. You know, it, it, for me, it would have been something that would have really damaged my love and appreciation for music in general, I think, over time. I, I don't know. I mean, and, and who knows, because I didn't chose to go that route, you know. But uh, um, in... In tobacco, I was definitely uh, not immediately welcomed by many in the business, uh, but I understand completely and respect that. And and the people that uh, you know initially may have been, um, I'm not going to say resistant to my entry, uh, but uh, maybe not initially fans, right? Uh, you know, since then I have earned their friendship and respect, and likewise. In why, contrast, why do you think they may have been hesitant to? Well, you know, my my pathway into the industry was different than a, a lot of these cats, right? A lot of these cats cut their teeth in a shop, then went from shop to X Y Z. You know, they they have this this scaled experience in the business, and I came in as a brand owner uh, already uh, with Room One Hundred One and seeking to extend uh, my item offering with a cigar collection. And so, uh, you know, I mean, this is a business that we all desperately love and a community and a culture that we desperately love. And so, you know, I've always related it to, you know, somebody picking up your little sister for a prom or some shit like that. It's like, you know, you want to, you want to understand what their intentions are with, you know, someone that you care for very deeply. And, and I think similarly, uh, at least at the time, now it's a fucking free for all. Nobody gives a fuck anymore. But at the time, I mean, you didn't hear that from me, but I said it at the time. It was uh, still a lot smaller. Uh, the boutique space was very small. It was just beginning. It was fledgling at best. I've heard the term salad days used. Have you ever heard that term used? Salad days. Salad days, man. When you guys I like that term, salad days. When you guys, and you, you probably know the date, but I remember when you, you were on the cover of Cigar Press with, with JD, to me, that was right about the salad days of, with Dion and, and Pete. And, and you're right, things have changed dramatically in the years since, uh, all over the industry, uh, from an FDA level to a participation level. You're right, it's, it is kind of a free-for-all. I'm, that's a good way to put it. It's a masturbatorium. And, but I remember you guys being. Excuse me, I need to no take response. a picture in a group of leaves. <laughs> Do it. Do it. But you guys were. No, the, maybe later. You DM guys, me the pick. Give him time. I've, I've already done it. You, you, guys were the, you guys were the disruptors. And we love disruptors at the Tuesday Night Cigar Club. And that's kind of what always had you on my list to be able to talk to was that your story was different from everything I'd read. Your story was very different at your entry into the business. And I think I could, we can kind of relate to your music industry story in that if you had stuck around long enough, it could have really soured a, a, a passion that you loved. The more you unpeeled that onion, the more it stank. Mm -hmm. And we, we kind of, 
we kind of had that same thought going into this. Like if we start really, you know, traveling to cigar events, interviewing cigar folks, we love in a very unnatural way how much we love cigars. What if they're assholes? What if these, you know, what if our our cigar cigar heroes are dicks? What if they're dicks? You should never meet your heroes, bro. Don't do it. Well, we've only met like don't do it. We met three or four dicks. Were they kind to you? Oh no, those were dicks. You said they're dicks. Yeah, they're dicks. I misunderstood the statement. Hey, in five years, five years and dozens. Five years, three dicks. Not bad. I only had three dicks. Was it four dicks? Three dicks, five years. That's a good ratio. That would be a good. We could dick to dick to year ratio. No. Uh, really? Hey, we're not out in California. Is there such a thing? This isn't California, man. Two dicks a year tops out here. Well, you said three dicks five years, so that's even less than. Well, that's well, a there good some dick time, to year there ratio. There's some time where we spent on the East Coast, so that put the other dick we, in there. We do, we do travel uh, pretty regularly out out that way um mm. well let me ask you this real quick before we leave the music thing mm-hmm. music as an artist uh whether it be bass whether it be sound design sound sound engineering do you ever equate that part of your life that passion i don't know if you still play music at all I but do. do you find any similarities because it that's an that is one of the most purest art forms. Do you ever translate that into room 101 as far as not, not, we're not talking about the jewelry here now, but with the cigars, with the, the marketing, with the packaging, that's art. Do you ever, Mm -hmm. do you find any kind of connection music and the cigars? Well, I mean, I think the process, although the outcome uh, is very different, uh, visual, uh, to audio, right? Uh, audible art versus visual art. Um, you know, the, the act of kind of letting yourself go in the creative process, uh, no matter what I'm uh, making is very similar, you know, and if I feel free and loose and, um, I feel comfortable, uh, typically concepts flow, whether they're concepts for packaging uh, blend composition, riff ideas, new design for a butt plug, whatever, you know, aero, more aerodynamics. Is this okay that we discuss these things here? Yeah. Elon Musk put a car in space. This, and this, I'll be fucking damned if I can't talk about a more aerodynamic you should, you insertion should, I'm just device. Saying, I'm just saying that's not the strangest thing that's ever been shown on this 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 show. No, we've been doing this five years. We've seen stranger. You should though, in like a insertion five thousand. Wait, like I'm sorry. A fifty count box of of big payback. You should put a butt plug in there just to do it and see what happens. It's all coming. It's all coming, bro. Like a Willy Wonka. I'm off the fucking rails over here. It's like Willy yeah. Wonka. It's like a gold. Oh yeah, no, no. It's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. Uh, it's gonna happen. Uh, well, Spoiler you, alert! You did do a cigar uh, where the, it was marketed as a masturbation joke. The uh, the stroke with the butt plug. I mean, that wouldn't be that crazy of a concept. Super stroke wasn't that a the super stroke? Super stroke? No. I got the wrong guy. No, the picture was, it, it was his arm was really big from smoking so many cigars. He kept lifting the. Oh. What do you? What do you? Uh, the the girl I'm getting, I, getting at there, Hoss. The girl I employ, I employ Matt to do my mm-hmm. research. 
Uh, mm. She she the COVID got her. So I've been having to do all this myself. And oh, uh, I got you. Uh, I apologize. We're just gonna go with the pandemic shit right now. That's what we're gonna do. Okay, that's fine. Uh, yeah, but our viewers know that that's not true. Just look at the content of the show. Yeah. Uh, our, our viewers, I there was a masturbation cigar. He's 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 moving on. A lot of your marketing, though, is bananas, and I love it. Um, from your, your dojo releases um, to um, the Superstroke, but what initially drew me to you and your blend from a visual standpoint was one of our favorite cigars we featured on the show, the Namakubi. Mm. Mm. Uh, it like what you were saying earlier about getting comfortable and once the environment was right for you to kind of focus and relax and everything kind of came together. It seemed like now I did not research it. It seemed like maybe that was one of your third or fourth releases with room one one and third. third. And that seems like when that, when that arrived, it was just, now I'll admit my initial attraction was because the, the box artwork reminded me of one of my favorite movies, big trouble in little China and the, the wing, the wing Kong guardian and the wing Kong, the guardian masks and the, the temple. So I, that immediately, fantastic. immediately drew me to it. And then that drew me to your website where I start seeing similar jewelry with the Japanese mm -hmm. influence. And I'm just like, I got to check this guy out. And then lo and behold, the cigar was fucking great. Um, it was just Thank a, you. a wonderful blend. Uh, we actually paired that. What did we pair that with, Todd? The Japanese movie. Uh, uh, Wild Zero? Wild yeah, about that was the uh, zombie biker rock gang with the bisexual twist. The bisexual Whoa. zombie twist. Yeah. Wild Zero. I'm going to peep that out. It was a fun show. Oh, it was a great show. It was it was fun. But, okay, well, I just, uh, like I said, in talking to Pete, too, I just like talking to guys from different artistic backgrounds to mm -hmm. kind of see how that works in the cigar blend process. Um, speaking of movies, not... Mm not quite as good as Big Trouble in China. Our film tonight, Point Doom. Question number two. Point Doom takes place in the heart of Los Angeles. It stars, brace yourself, Richard Grieco, Andrew Dice Clay. Damn. And, and the always lovely Angie Everhart. Amen. One, having lived in L.A. for quite some time, do you have any Richard Grieco or Andrew Dice Clay stories you'd like to share on the air? I wish, dude, but I don't. You have to be honest with you. Do you have any Angie Everhart stories you'd like to share off the air? No. How about this? Sorry. Sorry to disappoint. You have, well, let's hide your disappointment. I, I could have swore you'd have a Richard Grieco story. I, I should go make one. That should be my mission. <laughs> Come back in six months with a Richard Grieco story. Yes. <laughs> I will take. I mean, that. I could come up with something, but if you want to make up a Richard Grieco story, he, he'll never, he'll never. Know. I like Richard Grieco, man. You cool. watch the movie. He's he's always been one of those kind of guys that I've always. Well, I say always. I, he's good in Twenty One Jump Street. He's really good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. Uh, he saved that show in the last few seasons. Uh, all right. Well, question two got us nowhere. Let's try question three. Perfect. Happy to help. In early 2017, you briefly exited the scar industry only to triumphantly return a short period later. I've always been fascinated by people who step away 
from something successful at a high point in their career as opposed to when things are on a downward slot. Was that, was that a high point? I didn't realize. It was a high point. Where was a high point? We're cigar internet cigar experts. So what we say. Understood. Matters. Okay. So that was a high point. A high point, my friend. And wow. seeing as how, damn, seeing as how damn hard it is to build a brand from scratch, see it through to where it's one of the most respected and successful boutique brands in the industry, which it was, what caused you to take a break? And I should throw out there an acceptable answer is we just met Matt. That's none of your business. Next question. No, man, and that's quite fine. I'm happy to, I lied about retiring by the way. I had no intention. Truth time. But, uh, you know, I was managing uh, the divorce with a, a longstanding partner in distribution. And I thought it was the politest way to handle that transitional phase, if you will. Yes. Okay. And I immediately fled to the neither regions of uh, Latin America to undertake the entwining and combining of dead leaves in new ways, new shapes, new forms to rebirth Room 101. And that you did a short time later, and uh, you've done it well. Uh, okay, well, I just um, that have I, I also asking for a friend? Not sure yet. Actually, verdicts makes, out. That makes perfect sense. Because um, yeah, I mean, you had a good run with Davidoff, but um, you, you you certainly seem. Did I? <laughs> that's not a fact. That's that was just something I said with no thought put behind it. Wow. I was about to say, so if, if Thanks, that was Sparky. the, if that was the polite way to, uh, to exit that divorce, was that kind of like a, the prince move to where you're like, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm out of here? Uh, you know, I made, I made the decision to move on. And, uh, you know, what can I say, man? Uh, blessing and a curse in my entire uh, history in piloting my business that I happen to maybe sometimes be too nice or too considerate of other people. But I, you know, hindsight is what it is, man. We're here now. And yeah. uh, we're actually making the best cigars that we've ever made in the history of our brand. And so everything we've had, uh, certainly that tracks you're, you're, you're on fire. Thank you. It all. And um, so, yeah. Uh, okay. Um, well, question number four. From Mr. <laughs> <laughs> Besides being a bass player, besides mm -hmm. owning a highly respected and well-established jewelry brand for years now, the Tut Chronic Masturbator. Did you know this? Tut, did you say you were Chronic Masturbator? Oh, wait, was that you? You know what? Huh? What if this. I am? What if I am? What? I hate this. Wait, huh? I can't keep track. Whoa, man. You're breaking up. I can't. Huh? What's the question? Was there a question? Uh, what's, what's really kind of confusing is that in about – I'm going to guess another three months. I will be close to the hairstyle, but it'll take me a while to get that, to get that nice and nice beard. Mm. Yeah. I'm just, I'd let it all go. I just said, fuck it. I gave up. Tut's Tut's turned into president Andrew Jackson over the last three months. Right. Check him out. Chisel, bro. Chisel jawline. And in another three months, I'm going to at least have the hair of Matt Booth. It'll take me a while to get this, but. Tut, you should be on currency. That's how. That's yeah. how. Yeah, I agree with that. 
okay. We'll talk. We'll talk about okay. your. We'll talk about your chronic masturbating after we cut Mr. Booth loose, um, if we have to. Uh, it's going to be nothing but cock jokes tonight, isn't it? Hey, I mean, you 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 called me, bro. Can I put that in so, the? Can I put that in the teaser that Matt Booth flashes his cock on tonight's episode? Absolutely. You can take a screen grab. It's very stoic. I like this Matt Booth character. Okay. You know, I, I try, man. I, I try. I just try to have good conversation, really. You know. Now, if you'd pulled a butt, very lonely over here. You'd held up a butt plug. That would have been epic. Nah, <laughs> man. But you know what? I can hold up. Where's that? Hold on a second. Where is that, man? <laughs> I have a Swarovski encrusted dildo in my office. Hold on a second. I had that up on my ledge. Where is that? Oh, the timing is fucking this up. Hold on. Oh, God. Hold on. Ask your next question. I got my headset in. I can hear you. Okay. Uh, oh, here it is. Take your point. I take your weight. You see this? You see that? Got a handsome case. Yeah. Fucking Return of the Jedi lunchbox, man. I was about to say, that looked like a lunchbox back there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You keep your butt plug in a Return of the Jedi lunchbox? Well, man, that's a little, that's a little hey, that's, rude That's now. personal. That's, that's a little bit personal. That's where you yeah, say, you're, in, you're in daddy's personal business now. That's what okay. you say. I uh, just met you, Mr. K. That's next question. This was a gift uh, from a friend. Uh, but that, you know, you wanted to talk about, you know, things that I was going to, you know, whip out. It's a wow. hand applied, uh, crystals. Uh, yeah. That is, I heard, I heard, Tom, I heard Tommy Lee's got good taste. Can I see the bottom of it? You know, <laughs> what's up? It looks hefty. It's, it's, it's weighty, you know, it's girthy. That yeah. was a gift from a friend kind of as a gag. And then, uh, you know, I took it around. Okay. LA and took photos with it like on Hollywood Boulevard like with stars you know the stars I took it up Runyon Canyon Hollywood sign those you know whatever what's the question uh, Tut you need to step up your gift game this uh, Secret Santa this year um, so we're, we're oh, okay musician well established jewelry brand Tut did you know that it's been sold on Madison Avenue that's I did not, not that's not easy it's man. true we had a we had a full on uh, shop and shop installation for several years uh, at the uh, Davidoff Boutique on Madison Avenue, Fifty Third and Madison. That is impressive. You've also jumped into the spirits industry back in two thousand seventeen with Room One Hundred One. Mm -hmm. True story. Craft gin, a delightful botanical elixir available five states and more coming soon. Texas, not yet, bro. Okay, let us know. We'll get it on the show. I will. No, it would be perfect. Um, you stated that your goal is to make Room 101 a lifestyle brand uh, where all these things meld and fit together mm -hmm. for you. So what's next? You've got the gin, you've got the cigars, you've got the jewelry. What is on the I horizon? Mean, we're working on uh, a project right now for another category extension. Um, but I don't kiss and tell, bro. It'll be in market soon enough. You'll see the pictures on the internet. Don't worry. Notice your butt plug. I might get, <laughs> might 
I thought we'd kind of warm it up to each other and maybe I could sneak. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, for sure. We are. Well, we're very warm. I am as warm. I'm burning, burning bright over here. Hot. Uh, Well, let me ask you this. When you first joined us, Tut astutely noticed all your skateboard decks mounted on the wall behind you. Mm-hmm. Uh, Not I, only that, but you have that iron cross with the with the hawk skull. That is iconic. Yes, the you know, toy uh, hawk. Matt, I used to uh, ride the boards myself way back when. Nice man. Yeah, uh, shredded with search that. for animal chin. I uh, animal chin. You weren't a bones brigade guy. The only guy kid, preteen in Central Texas, who. When I decided to find, I, I got a used Lance Mountain from a friend. Mm, nice. It was my first real skateboard, and when very cool. When it finally broke, uh, I picked out from Thrasher magazine uh, the board that I wanted, and it wasn't a very popular board, but it was a Steve Stedham. Yeah. You have to go back, and it's <laughs> yeah, man, very, very collectible. It's one of those names that a lot of Guys don't, mm-hmm. I mean. You know what's crazy is there's a collector market for this shit now, and it's berserk. I mean, guys are spending two, three, five thousand dollars $5,000 for a deck. I believe it. Yeah. Uh, I've seen Mike your- Vallely's typically go five, six Gs now, like the Pal Peralta one, if it's new, crispy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So are you a, a buyer-seller, or are you just a buyer? Uh, I, I've traded a bunch over the years. I kind of consolidated my collection to shit that I like. Kevin Staub was my guy, oh, yeah. sim skater. So I have, you know, I'm, I'm actually missing one of his, uh, but I have the majority of his lineup, um, and a couple other things that have, you know, significance. Is, are, is skateboards, is that the, the, the mysterious thing you're thinking about? moving into that you wouldn't tell us it seems like it seems like a natural fit i mean i'd make skate decks for sure i I would you're taking notes now it's like you're taking notes on me bro it's like i'm getting critiqued every time i say something it's like oh well no no no. i'm grading your answer (laughs) damn well you see me push the red color down that's not good don't do it don't do it all right well Matt, question number five. Okay. You are very close friends with Guy Fieri. We are friends, yes. I saw some pics of you and your beautiful family hanging with Guy when he was getting his star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Yeah, man, that was super cool. He's very, very proud of him. He's a fellow whose probably most cigar podcasts, Guy's name wouldn't pop up much, but because we talk a little bit about things outside the cigar world, he's come up a lot here on our show. And we stepped up big time in Guy's defense a few years ago. Anthony Bourbadain was kind of bullying him and talking trash about him. And we, we kind, of mm. stood, kind of stood up for – I know now Anthony's passed on, so it's kind of moot point. Two men enter, one man leave. Boom. Damn. True. Ah. I like what it. are you going to do? Hey. Yeah. We, I'll send you the YouTube clip. Basically, you're like, Bourdain, you're a dick. You know what? Guy seems like a, a very sweet, charitable guy who gets a lot of shit slung at him for no reason that we can really pick up on. How well, do you I mean, become friends. Look, when you, when you 
are self-made and you put yourself out there, you know, you're not doing your job if you don't have both reactions, right? Typically. And I love guys, a longtime friend. I mean, the dude, in, you know, I mean, he's kind of toned it down a little bit, but I mean, he's almost like a neon Muppet uh, character, you know, the this and the this and the, you know, yeah. so you can't miss him. And uh, we met actually, uh, we met through a mutual friend that was a client of mine, uh, who at the time was the president of the California Restaurant Association, a political lobbyist for restaurant owners' rights in the state. And I was building him a piece. And he mentioned to me uh, on one of our calls that, you know, he had a, a dear friend and he was compelled to introduce us to one another because he just felt, uh, you know, he, his intuition told him that there was a reason he should introduce us, that we would get along and enjoy each other and whatnot. And he, and he said, yeah, you know, he's, he's just uh, he's just won this uh, cooking competition show. And, and people are starting to look at him, you know, like as a kind of a rising star in that in that world, uh, the Food Network world. And so he put us on the phone and we hit it. We hit it off, you know, and uh, I actually made him a, a bracelet as a gift and sent it to him as kind of a, a a congratulatory gesture for winning that that show, you know, and that, cool. that you know, I. I you know, I wished him well on his journey. I mean, we were both obviously on an entrepreneurial journey, uh, his, you know, two different directions, of course, but, but there are certain components of, of the path that he's been on path that I've been on that are exactly the same. You know, you're making something from nothing and, and you're self piloting, you know? So I've actually really had the honor to watch him accomplish everything that he's accomplished, you know? And, and, you know, part of it's right, right place, right time. Like, you know, if, if he had not won that show and become such a, uh, a polarizing character in that world, you know, a lot of these other guys would have never, it would have never been a thing. Like he made that a thing. And you guys kind of made polarizing. He's like the Pete Johnson of cooking shows. I was going to go JD, but I'll give you Pete. Um, just- Tony Brahani. We'll go Pete. We'll we'll settle. We'll meet in the middle. We'll go with Pete. <laughs> uh, okay. All right, player. Well, that's cool that you guys were kind of both on the upswing early on when you when you got hooked up like that. Uh, I actually had the same conversation, similar conversation, with Jenny Lee at Stogie's in Houston. Uh, mm. We were at Cigar Safari together right before the coronavirus hit uh, in early March. We're talking when you get, you know, four days and kind of a small company, you get to know each other really well. And she said that we should definitely, if there's any way we could get you on the show, she thought that we would, um, that you were Tuesday night cigar club compatible. And I think she's right. Nice. Well, I'm, you know what, man, I am very pleased uh, that you feel that I meet your criteria. Uh, Honored, in fact. Does guy smoke cigars? You sold you sold it with the butt plug. Let's be honest. I had you at butt plug, man. I know, but this Absolutely. this is all like more theatrics to dance around that. Uh, I could have just logged in and said butt plug, and you would have been like, 
here's no, my address. No, 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 no. So you can't, you can't just come on the show and say you just can't go plug. straight. You can't just go straight butt plug. No, you but sure? you, this is the star but, but you no, but you went butt plug jewels and encrusted and just shiny and like it massive. Rick, it was a Rick Ross butt plug. That's that's one of my artifacts. Yeah. And if you ever do a butt plug cigar, can it can it have some kind of Tuesday night cigar club tie into it? Bro, it's done. It's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. The Viso Horny. From the rooter to the tutor. We we we've tried to get so many uh, brand owners to do our Viso Horny cigar and they laugh at us. They don't give us any respect. I saw it in your eyes, man. The butt plug. Nobody's done that yet? Bro, Viso Horny's on deck. Fuck that. That's awesome. All right. Trademark uh, 2020. <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute. I am calling the lawyer right fucking now. And right then, I won't do it. Fuck off. Ah, oh, damn it. Damn it, Tom. See, I see that? It doesn't matter, right? Just now, Gene Simmons. You never swim in the deep end. Hey, uh, no, but go for it, man. You should do it yourself. Knock yourself out. Have a nice weekend. <clears throat> You'll love cigars after that. You cut my question off. Uh, I'm sorry. Does Guy Fieri smoke cigars? Like crazy. Loves cigars. Yeah. Loves cigars. I find most uh, culinary greats do. They have their palate, man. Palate. It's it's Mm -hmm. uh, okay. Bunch of tasty motherfuckers. Have you ever thought taste shit? Have you ever thought about collaborating with Guy Fieri on? We've had conversations. The Flavor Town. I will take you directly to Flavor Town. I am the gatekeeper to Flavor Town. Does he smoke nice. slow and slow? However you want. Oh my God! We're yeah. painting a picture, right? I don't care what you call me. Just call go, me. Go get that damn dildo out of the closet. This is going to be somewhere <laughs> interesting. Damn it. <laughs> Okay. Uh, well, that was question five. Uh, so thanks, Matt. A big thanks for answering our five questions. But I have one last one. Let's call it 5B. 5B. Five okay. B. All right. Are there any plans on bringing our beloved Namakubi back? And yes. more importantly, from a personal standpoint, my favorite cigar that you've ever wanted, the Uncle Lee. Is there any plan to bring that back? Because much like Fucking a, right? much like what I understand the history of Cigar B, my uncle Dave mm-hmm. got me watching growing up watching him smoke cigars, uh, inspired nice. to be a cigar smoker. So I'm down to my last box. Uh, I want to, I need to know that there's more coming down the line. These these brands will live again. Yes. Now, yeah. tragically, this COVID shit has delayed everything. You know, yeah. so, you know, you could probably anticipate seeing um, some sub brands of that nature coming around the corner next year at this point, you know, okay. but they will live again and oh. they will slide so subtly into your mouth hole. Could you could you say that again one more time, Matt? I couldn't hear you. They up. will slide actually provocatively, sensually, uh, as it were, directly into your taste socket. That, that's Your not, lips will. My lips will. Sheath, they will. They will hold. They will 
wrap themselves around the taut Ecuador Habano exterior of that cylindrical tobacco vessel. You plunge it even further into your gullet, igniting the tip, sucking forth its fine perfume and allowing delectable, are you spanking it? Delectable. Hands up. To flavors and personality cascading across your palate. This will happen for you. That's beautiful. And I got to just say, and I just cannot wait to have your Uncle Lee in my mouth. Many can't. All right. Let me ask you this, just so Cigar Coop doesn't yell at us for being total goofballs the whole time. Oh, shit. He's always picking on us. He doesn't like the way we do things. Really? No, we, well, we don't, we don't this follow, interview is over. We don't follow the... Oh, no, he's a, <laughs> a Coop loyalist. Damn it. All right, fuck it. No, I am a Coop loyalist, but I'm far more we a like malicious Coop. self-promoter. We like, we like Coop. He just tends to nitpick the way we do things and vocally says those things on Facebook. And Damn, Coop. Go easy, brah. We're a little different. It's okay. Okay. I'm enjoying this conversation. Thank you. I am too. Uh, real quick, before we leave the Namakubi and the Uncle Lee return, and probably some other of your previous blends return, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. how difficult is that process trying to go back you know, tobacco changes, fields Correct. change. You're in a new, different factory. How tedious, or is it not that tedious, to try to go back and give consumers the same, what they remember about that blend, what I remember about the Namakubi, or what I remember profile-wise about the Uncle Lee, how strict are you in trying to, I mean, God, it's got to be so damn difficult to recreate that, you know, that, I, I say that, but I mean, hell, the same, the same Namakubi three years in the same factory with the same field is going to taste different. But how, look, man. how tuned in are you on trying to get as close to the original? Yeah, no, I understand what you're saying. And I think, and, and the, the respectful thing to do with those cigars and, and the appropriate tribute to pay to their, their origin, their roots, so to speak is to create what is the Namakubi of today. You know, we have, uh, we have recently, well, actually last fall, we released our first uh, uh, extension of Payback as a Connecticut uh, uh, broadleaf Maduro. And the formula is different, but it was far more suitable for what Payback should be uh, today. And it's had a great response. So it's, it's being responsible and, and paying enough tribute and respect to um, the history of those brands as they apply to our brand. But even if we were making the same cigars, they would be different today than they were then. You're, you're consistently trying to remain true to the personality and motion of that product, right? So, you know, as, as with everything else in our collection being better than anything we've made previously, um, those will be the new... Uh, revamped versions of those cigars, but uh, surely built in a way and, and blended uh, in a fashion that will be pleasing for the people that are looking, um, you know, for that experience that were fans of those brands to begin with. Um, well, I think that's the only way you can do it. So that, that makes mm -hmm. sense. Um, 
Was the big payback? Was that uh, I, I, a big fan of the Connecticut, the original Connecticut? Uh, I still mm -hmm. have. Was that named after the EPMD song or the movie? James Brown, bro. See, I, I'm showing my musical. Yeah, come on. It was it was a phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. I support I support that move. I support that move. Phenomenal EPMD song. Uh, okay. EPMD strong though. I was more of a fan of crossover. Crossover is a great song too. That was a little bit later on in the EPMD. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, to me, EPMD is the most underrated rap group of, of all time. No, they they don't get nearly the love they should for sure. But it's James Brown. The movie featured in, in the soundtrack. Look, mm -hmm. I like what he does on Fox Sports with the football Sunday. Oh, host. The fuck is wrong with you? Fuck you. What? Oh, you're talking oh, about the, my goodness. About the guy Wait, this rock. just Rocky. Coop was right about you, man. I'm gonna tell Coop on you about this. The guy from Rocky Four. Oh God. Take me to the nearest airport. <laughs> Well, Matt, uh, we look forward uh, to smoking the, the Doomsayer aggressive. I'm going to get the Doomsayer passive uh, a review on the website. We can't wait to get some Room 101 gin. We've never done gin on the show, so that'll be fun. Oh, it's the shit. That'll be a fun. I'm going to talk to you the next day on that one. You're going to go to Pluto, bro. We absolutely love uh, the Namakubi on the show that uh, that we did a few years ago. So our expectations are very high on the Doomsayer. No pressure. Could you please, before you leave, introduce, finally, tonight's cigar, the Doomsayer Aggressive. The Doomsayer Aggressive, proudly crafted by Room 101 and the artisans at William Ventura in Tamboril in the People's Republic of the Dominican. A fine blend of Dominican, Ecuadorian, and Honduran tobaccos. Encapsulated in a super Toro format at a price that everybody can ingest. That I can Have a nice weekend. See you next Tuesday. Pipe one down your cock holster and enjoy. Room 101 Doomsayer. How can we go wrong with that? What was that rapper again, Matt? Ecuador Habano. Yeah. One is a Habano Oscuro and one is a Habano Claro. We'll be doing the Oscuro tonight. I'm very excited about it. And I was very excited going into tonight's interview with Matt, and he did not disappoint. It was nice to finally break bread with you and uh, talk for a little bit. I really appreciate, given everything going on in the world, you taking just a little bit of time to talk to us. Uh, you seem like a very genuine uh, person and a, a very um, good guy. So I'm glad, glad we got I'm a chance. I'm trying, to man. That's all we can Thank do. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. Have a good night, Matt. We'll talk again down the road, okay? Thanks, guys. I appreciate you having me on. You take care. You bet. Hot off the press. The Doomsayer. I'm still trying to think of the gentle Doomsayer. Like, uh, <laughs> you know, your life's going to take a really negative turn tomorrow, but, I mean, it ain't going to be all bad, you know? It's all bad, baby. <laughs> what do you guys – man, I'm, I initially got a little bit of tea – uh, like an herbal tea on the cold draw. And now uh, I'm starting to get a little bit of a sweetness that reminds me a little bit of like red man chewing tobacco. Remember when you put that wada, your first wada chewing tobacco in your mouth, that no, real, real rich kind of syrupy tobacco. It just kind of took uh, me back to that. But Like when you bite down on it? Mm -hmm. 
but there is a, definitely for me there's a tea component on that cold draw you guys can, can we pause so we can go get a couple pouches of red man just just for comparison <laughs> yeah because that's what we need another vice i come home the wife's like what's in the bag oh i start chewing tobacco <laughs> Why not? Just see a roll of that big chaw right there, packing <laughs> it in. Yeah, I'm I'm done. I'm the, 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 we're at capacity here. Yeah, there is a there is a bit of a tea component there. I'm not a I'm not a big tea guy, doctor. I, uh, you'll have one of these, doctor, when uh when you get your gift goodie bag next time we meet. Uh, all the cigars you're missing, but you're you're a big tea drinker. I don't know if it's a uh, the the teas I would I have had I would think it almost similar to like a, a black English tea. Those are the <clears throat> there's really only two kinds that I drink, which would be a black English tea, which is pretty strong breakfast tea. Otherwise, I just drink a a uh, strong green tea. Yeah, this isn't green tea. It might it's the the breakfast teas that I've had. It kind of reminds me of black that. breakfast tea is similar to coffee. I'm sure coffee drinkers would sneer at it, but it has that kind of flavor and, and a, a decent kick to it. To me, this is a bit more mellow than than some of those black kick teas. Are you getting that sweetness, Tut? Not really sweetness. I'm mainly focusing on that tea. Okay. Well, uh, as we get in the cigar, Tut's lighting up. Of course, Cody. it could it could be my beer fl- uh, drowning the sweetness out. Who saw that coming? <laughs> Let's, yeah, boy. Why don't you tell everybody what Cody, what uh, Tuttle's drinking? Or not? We lost Cody again. <laughs> don't you love how the front of the show? I'm like, the folks, <laughs> folks. I think we finally got this shit figured out. Everything's everything's coming up, Millhouse. <laughs> Hey, Tut, why don't you tell us what you're drinking? Well, I can't do as fine a job as Cody in terms of the, the brewery and everything, but I am drinking the Ridiculous AF from Saloon Door Brewing. Uh, it is a PB and chocolate Russian Imperial Stout. Uh, that, the, sounds, that sounds strong. The fluid ounces are 12. Cody doesn't mention that. Oh, okay. Uh, the alcohol by volume, that's ABV. Uh, yeah. I don't know if Cody ever brings that up. He, he does. But it's, it's uh, just shy of 12. It's 11.8. So it's got a little bit of a hoo-hoo factor to it. 11.8. Uh, Good on you. 11.8. It's got a nice pretty pig in the, in the, in the, in the deal. That's oh, nice. Okay. It's got a nice little, speaking of Little Richard, it's got a 1950s turquoise blue across the can. It's pretty nice. Okay. Uh, yeah. For Okay. So in not in, in terms of a Russian stouts that are like heavy and super bitter, the chocolate comes off on this thing like a beast. Uh, it's got just a small hint of peanut butter, but I never really get peanut butter when the, uh, on these peanut butter beers. But that chocolate is just all up in your face on on the very forefront of the palate. So that's why I'm saying that I, I probably lost that sweetness uh, from the cigar. Uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Actually, upon ignition, the sweetness is not there on the once you once you light it up. There's a a real gentle kind of warm spice on the nose. Um, it's not a kick in the ass jalapeno red pepper type. It's just kind of a nice, 
a nice tingle, doctor? Is that something I should be worried about medical-wise? Uh, where are you feeling the tingle? <laughs> we should probably talk about that after the show. Okay, no. Um, but then on the draw, mm. some cedar and a little bit of chocolate. I was about to say, I, yeah, I, I didn't know whether it was cedar. I was, I was going, I was going woodsy when I can't decide what what wood it is. It's just woodsy. Cedar, cedar tree. With, yeah, with yeah, the, yeah. It's about ninety five percent cedar, and there's a five percent mesquite in there. So a chocolate flavored stogie with a peanut butter flavored beer. I would think that would go pretty well together. But Tut, you're uh, not sure about that uh, choice. Is it maybe far too early to tell Tut? Yeah. I'm going to give it some time. I'm going to give it some time. All right. Okay. Well, as we've lost our beer expert temporarily, I will tell you what I'm drinking. I am drinking the Wasatch Brewery. I believe they're out of Utah, which I don't know why I – do. I always find anything fun coming out of Utah hilarious? <laughs> like I always Coming out of Utah is kind of funny. Like, I always thought the name the Utah Jazz was just hilarious because, like, who in Utah is listening to jazz music? <laughs> uh, it's just a bunch of boring-ass white people, right? Uh, but anyway, it is the Wasatch Brewery's Devastator. It is a double-bock lager, and Cody's back to tell us about it. Look at that. What did I miss? Uh, Ted told us all about his beer. Tell me about the Wasatch Devastator. Oh, he's he froze again. Okay. <laughs> it Devastator. Is... Oh, here we go. <laughs> nope. Oh, there he is. Okay. All right, all right. Devastator uh, from Wasatch Brewing. They're out of uh, Salt Lake City, Utah. Started brewing back in uh, 1986. Uh, started by a man name of uh, Greg Schiff. Uh, they have grown leaps and bounds, um, most notably or well-known for their uh, uh, polygamy porter, which, of course, <laughs> was a slightly that, yep. controversial name when it came out. But, <laughs> I thought you were but, making that up. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's not. <laughs> Their child bride IPA is <laughs> amazeballs. <laughs> what the hell? Yeah, the Devastator is a, is a double bock, uh, doppelbock, as the <laughs> Germans would call it. Oh, no, uh, that's Sister Mother a- Stout. <laughs> <laughs> oh, guys. This is just, a powerhouse. I just got a uh, Google alert for band in Utah. We already were. About <laughs> time. I'm sorry, X. Go on. He wishes he had stayed frozen. <laughs> I do now. <laughs> yeah, boy, what's the ABV on this double box? It is 8% ABV and only 18 IBUs. So yeah, no, no bitterness. There's no bitterness. It is very malty. Uh, but you know what? The maltiness lingering on the on my tongue is going really good with that retrohale on the cigar. Uh, it's got the cigar yaks where you're gone. It's got a very kind of gentle 
accommodating spice, but it's also got a little bit as about an inch in a little mineral to it. And that with the malts and the cedar and the leather that I'm getting, the chocolate kind of went away pretty quick for me on the draw. Now it's kind of the cedar and leather. That maltiness is adding something to the cigar. I think they're pairing really well together. Um, but it's doctor. It's far too early to Far too early to tell. And let's face it, it's not the same as that condoms are for Satan Pilsner out of Provo, Utah. That is correct. Wait, isn't that the condoms for Satan Kolsch? No, I'm drinking the Kolsch. We believe in condoms here. Hey, that boy, speaking of Kolsch, what's the doctor drinking? He's drinking the from Alaska Brewing, their Kolsch Ale. When did we start allowing them to make beer? For a really long time. Oh, okay. Did we do an Alaskan beer uh, early you, in the show? Did we? Uh, are you thinking of the Icelandic beer? No, there was like a Ranger, uh, Alaska Ranger IPA or something. No, like Ranger that. IPA is uh, something New Belgium. Okay, I'm yeah. I'm, Ranger. Carry on. There are multiple options from the Alaskan Brewing Company. This, I think, this is the first one I've ever had. Uh, the 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 coal shale, like I said, it's uh, from Alaska Brewing. They are out of Alaska, Juneau, Alaska, to be exact. Uh, they also too started way back in the glorious 1986. So they've been around a number of years, producing delicious beers. Uh, the Kolsch Ale, of course, is uh, following the, the German-style Kolsch beer coming out of uh, Cologne, Germany. Uh, it is a 5.3% ABV, so, you know, right in the middle there, and, and only about uh, very low IBUs as well, right around 20. So should you, be pretty good tasting. Are you, are you enjoying it, Doctor? I am enjoying it. It is very smooth. It's um, it is hot as balls in Texas right now. It was like 95 here today. I, I got to imagine it's going down soon. Th- this would be a good beer for warm weather. Um, I will admit that uh, being that we're um, filming tonight's show on a school night, that the 5.3 ABV. I I'd, I'd never had the uh, this before, so I want to try something I never had. But the fact that it was 5.3 ABV was a significant factor in my choice. Doctor, you're an avid golfer. Would it be a good beer for the golf course? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, the the low the low IBUs and the low uh, ABV. I, I love how 5.3 is now a low ABV for me. Like we, we drank <laughs> light beers so many for so many years that were 4.2. Right, it's 5.3 is low. And if, you know, if it were a Friday or Saturday, I'd prefer something stronger. But oh yeah, this this would be a a cold beer like this on a golf course on a warm warm day, or or after mowing the yard, or something like that. This would be a good one. It's a uh, uh, not really anything huge to distinguish it. Um, as Yax pointed out, the Kolsch is obviously based on the German brewing style, but this is uh you can see here it's it's with the 5.3 it's it is not there's nothing dark about it it looks like a regular amber colored beer there um real nice smooth taste to it okay um i don't believe i've had an alaskan beer if you can imagine me this not is my, this is my first. having a beer 
this is my first. They had a, a couple other options. There was one, I think, that was a 7% ABV that was a, um, I think it was a wheat style. Uh, the others were r- rather low ABV. Due to my um, love of alcohol, I'll probably try the 7% one next. But th- this is my first Alaskan Brewing Company. Okay. Yak Boy, you lit up a little bit later than uh, Tut and I. Where are you at? Uh, you enjoying the beer? Or I'm sorry, the cigar. Cigar. Yes, I am enjoying the cigar. Uh, initially, like I can say, there I had I had a hint of tea. I couldn't say what, but I mean, more just like the this just the smell of tea leaves, dry tea leaves. I like. Hey, really he was frozen. He was he was kicked out to, when we were talking about tea. He got that on his own. So there's definitely something there with the tea. Uh, I I distinguish it as black English tea. Tut said it was too subtle for that. Uh, Doctor's the only one of us Gentile enough to drink tea in the mornings. And and he's the only only tea drinker and he doesn't have a cigar. That's our luck. He could have pinpointed this tea down to the region. Um, But no, uh, I'm about an inch in now. Look, uh, Look at that ash and burn line. Look at that. Nice. Oh, wow. nice. You're going uh, through that thing. I have thought about stepping out on the lanai with something out of my humidor, but I just thought that it wasn't going to be the same that you guys are having, so that just really wouldn't make any sense. Well, uh, logistically, probably not, but we can maybe do something about that in the future, Doc. Um, yeah, I am getting mineral and light a light pepper on the nose now, and... For me, that draw is alternating. There's cedar, there's chocolate, there's leather, and some puffs. The cedar is more pronounced. Other times, I'm getting more leather pronounced. Other times, again, a little bit of chocolate. They're just kind of they're kind of rotating. Which, bro, I always say, don't give me a boring cigar. So far, this thing's not boring. What about you, Ted? Yeah, no, I'm uh, I'm not getting any of the dark chocolate because the beer's blasted no, 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 that. It's, that not out. Dark, it's not a dark chocolate at all. It's a, well, it's, I mean, any type of sweetness, the beer is okay, going to dominate. Getting, I'm getting like a Hershey bar, like a, a flat out milk chocolate. The uh, yeah, I, I'm right there with you on the uh, the woodsy cedar. Uh, that's definitely across the draw. Uh, there is there is a little bit of a leather. I haven't quite latched onto it, but it's like at the back of the palate, uh, back of the palate for me. But mine is just like on the on the on the nose, I'm actually getting like a little bit of a, a breadiness or a, or a toastiness type type deal. Uh, I haven't quite quite pinpointed out, but it's kind of there. Is it sourdough? No. <laughs> By the way, since I'm not having this, the, the things that you're describing, um, a, a medium-bodied to strong tea and a milk chocolate, that sounds actually pretty good to me. Is this Was this working in the early stages for you? Well, yeah, it is. yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's really, you know what, we, I've actually had one of these prior and it had a lot more sweetness to it and a lot more chocolate. Okay. This one, this one is much more on the herbal side, um, initially, and then a lot more on the woodsy side than the previous one I had. The, the sweetness has kind of gone from that, but I'm really enjoying the, the woodsiness and the leather and the chocolate kind of swirling around together. And I love a, a nice Mi- Nicaraguan mineral retro hail when it's got just a little bit. Usually it's combined with a strong kick 
on the nose, a, a strong, you know, black pepper. Or, yeah. Or, or strong. This is, it's, like I, I said earlier, it's, it's kind of a gentle pepper with that mineral. And then you kick it back with that, that woodsy kind of traditional leathers and, but the chocolate's keeping it interesting. Yeah. I'm really digging this one. Okay. And it's going very well with the cigar and the beer. <laughs> All right. What's that other thing we talk about, Yak Boy? Politics. Politics. Politics, right. Of course. How forgetful of me. I had no I had no idea how many of my close friends and family on Facebook were PhD viral scientists, immunia, immunologists. And how about we skip the political talk? Yes, so, please. That'd be great. Okay. Oh, hang on a second here. The uh, the Baroness just confirmed our brunch date for Sunday. <laughs> awesome. She's a looker. Let me guess. That's another He-Man reference that I made in my emails. Uh, she said something about uh, she's hoping over salmon puffs and uh, crepes we can discuss the disappearance of Cade's hand from the podcast. I don't know. Maybe it is real. It's on everybody's mind. Maybe see if the, this Baroness character... I got to tell you, Doctor, that name sounds kind of made up. It might be a dude meeting you with his dick tucked between his legs. But just be careful. I tell you that before all, I tell you that before all your questionable dates. Be careful. Appreciate that, Kate. I know you're looking out for me. Well, uh, Yak Boy was telling us that the final component, the third essential component to what we do here, is the film. And tonight's film is called Point Doom, which sounds like a horror. It sounds like a horror movie, but it's not. It's got some horrific things in it. <laughs> the acting. Oh, oh. Uh, you're coming off talking about the acting. But we'll get there. 2000 uh, year 2000 Point Doom directed by Art Camacho who is actually, fun fact, that's the name that Yak Boy checks into hotels under. If you're ever, prove that. If you're ever at a uh, America's Best Value Inn, you're trying to find Yak Boy, ask for Art Camacho's room. Uh, so yeah. If you're at an America's Best Value Inn and you ask for Art Camacho's room, you might be told he's checked in. That's a possibility. Oh, yes, Mr. Camacho, he's in room 273. And then run for your life. Run like hell. <laughs> Uh, Art Camacho actually has a long history in show business, a stunt coordinator. This is one of his uh, directing efforts. It's written by David DeFalco, which I will now be using as my motel check-in name. <laughs> uh, here's your room, Mr. DeFalco. So what did uh, let me guess the producers, uh, Vinny the Chin? <laughs> These names. Look, that's all I've got, guys, production-wise. Uh, let's just go ahead and start talking about this fucker, huh? Okay. Um, <laughs> we start things off. Oh, nobody's going to ask why we're doing Point Doom? Well, no. we're smoking the Doomsayer cigar. Ah. Uh, uh, oh, thank God. I, and I'm drinking the Dev. I couldn't find a Doomsayer beer, but I'm drinking the Devastator beer. I'm actually uh I actually picked a theme beer as well. I will explain it later on. 
but no, I'm I'm glad you said that because I actually thought that you picked the cigar to pair with this movie. Uh, I have a little bit more respect for you now that you picked the uh, movie to pair with the cigar. No, it actually, it, I, I just happened to have the Doomsayer cigars, and I, I knew it. You should have stuck with it, man. Come on, Cade. No, hey. in, no. In your oh, defense, yeah. on paper, it's got a fabulous lineup. I'm all about transparency here, guys. I don't know about you. And in the spirit of transparency, I'm going to stand up right now and show you what I'm wearing beneath my waist. Oh, no, no. Okay, later, later. Now, the boathouse was the right time. (laughs) We start things off from under a glass table as a pimp slash drug dealer named Ringman, played by former actual pimp Ice-T, lays some lines of cocaine down for his hose and tricks. Yaks, did I use those terms correctly? Hose and tricks? You did indeed. 100%. I knew, I knew you would know. He's a student. Wait, Moving on. They snort. <laughs> they snort the blow. Doctor, did I use that term correctly? Blow. Uh, I'm a little alarmed that you're asking me for confirmation, but yes, you did use that correctly. Blow okay. is the blow. street term for cocaine. Okay, blow. Uh, they snort or the study blow. juice. <laughs> Do you have something you want to admit to? No, 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 no. I mean, I hear that a lot of doctors have study powder going into their exams. That's all. It's study juice. <laughs> it got straight A's this semester. Well, growing up in Utah, I was taught that it was called the devil's dandruff. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, they the, the hose snort the blow, and just as they give him his fucking money, Two rough bikers, I'm sorry, let me use quote fingers, two rough bikers named Spider and Speedy from the Satan Slaves Motorcycle Club show up, and Spider, who who appropriately has a temporary spider tattoo on his neck, does the talking. He's played by Tut. No, I, I, I don't know who this dude is. You were texting me nonstop watching this movie. You recognize every doctor. Who who plays this guy? Spider is played by Zach Galligan, who who Zach Galligan, who was the lead actor in the 1984 classic movie Gremlins. Gremlins. Never saw. Oh it. shit! No. <laughs> that, was, wait, that was one and only Mr. Galligan. I don't, wait, I don't know what's surprising that that dude is the Gremlins dude, or Cade's never saw it. I uh, no longer chastise anyone for movies they have not seen. That seems rather hipster to me, so I, I let that go. I would say, Cade, that since it was directed by Joe Dante, yeah. as I'm a, sorry, no, no, as young Feldman in it, that uh, oh, and a, young Feldman yeah. and a delicious Phoebe Cates. Phoebe Cates is in it. Uh, yes, and uh, the the Dante uh, uh, the. I guess one of one of Dante's regular old Dick Miller, who's in a lot of his movies. Look, you, you would really enjoy it, but Zach Galligan was the lead from Gremlins. Real quick, 15-second sidebar. Gremlins was huge when we were young. Everyone was talking yeah. about it. Everyone loved it. For some reason, I was watching all these horror films. My Uncle Dave was showing me every Friday night. I'd spend on my Uncle Dave's. He showed me the Friday 13th, uh, Motel Hell, Tourist Trap. He'd also show me Revenge of the Nerds and like all the all the titty flicks. For some reason, my mother would not let me see Gremlins. 
And she was so like, and it was very unlike her. But she was so adamantly against me seeing Gremlins that to this day, I haven't seen it. I don't even think it was rated R. No, like I don't know what her, I don't know what her deal was. I don't know what her deal was, but I, I never saw it. And then by the time I was like in my 30s, I'm like, I'm, I feel like an asshole going to Blockbuster and renting Gremlins. So I just Ooh, never, I, get, I never uh, Galligan, so if this is 2000, Gremlins is 84, it's 16 years later, and other than the spider neck tattoo and a different hairstyle, he would appear to not have aged at all. And uh, the only other thing I ever, uh, he was in he was in another late 80s horror movie, Waxwork, if anybody saw that. Yes. Um, uh, yeah. uh, with, uh, was it, uh, oh, Deborah Foreman, a valley girl. And, uh, Can I ask you guys something, since you're all seem to be very familiar with Gremlins. Was he just as god-awful, terrible in that as he is in this movie? I don't mm, think so. Yeah. I thought he did pretty good. In Gremlins? Yeah. Okay. He yeah, 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 in Gremlins. No, he's Gremlins, horrible. He was though. young and full of hope. Oh, and also had a good director. He sucks big donkey dicks in this thing. And, well, these bikers show up with a wad of cash for Ringman. But you're a day late and a dollar short, motherfuckers. As usual. And Ringman don't play that shit. You guys like my ice tea impression? Was that spot on. I thought you sounded quite a bit like him, actually. That was that was a good one. But this time, they've also brought a sample of cocaine for him. And when he tests it with his fingers, <laughs> the old finger in the bag and lick it clean, he's impressed. The bikers say they have two and a half kilos if he's interested. Wasn't that a Charlie Sheen TV show? Two and a half kilos? Yes. Um, man. <laughs> oh, two and, two and a half, half men. Two, <laughs> two and a half kilos was a Charlie Sheen weekend. Of course. Of course. I mean, he right about that time was Tiger Blood, so he might what? be familiar <laughs> with the he might be familiar with that uh, two and a half kilos before he started filming. Well, Ringman is- Wait, wait a minute, what? I've got to film a John Cryer? Give me that two and a half kilos. <laughs> Uh, little Richard won't play till the sun goes down. I'm not acting with John Cryer till I get two and a half kilos in. I have no earthly idea whether John Cryer is a good guy or not. By all accounts, he might be no, wonderful. Uh, Kate, Kate and I, hey, good segue. In addition to Derek Mears, Kate and I also met John Cryer many years ago. He, and, he interviewed us. Uh, yes, it was before he was on Two and a Half Men, so he was looking for work. Yeah. Uh, Doctor, you didn't have to throw that in. We sounded kind of cool for a second. Well, when you just said he interviewed us, and then he was on a show where he was making about $300,000 an episode, I thought it was in in the spirit of honesty. We should probably verify. Hey, we're all about transparency. Uh, At least you said we were. Um, No, he was a a pleasant guy. He was nice. Yeah, he was real nice. Good. He was working as a correspondent for the TV show Extra, like the celebrity show. Extra. Extra, extra, uh, and we were in Vegas for a film festival where uh, one of our films was getting an award, and he came by the booth and interviewed us. Rock on, man. Yeah, and we, I, I think he was a little perturbed that I kept calling him Ducky, but yes, we he played I, it like, he played it like a pro. I still have a photograph of uh, you and me. I can't believe you called him Ducky. Yeah, I couldn't help it. Uh, okay. You had a photograph of him? Yeah, I'll, I'll put it up on the website. Uh, us, us with the the duck man. 
He's all, still, you assholes. I got the name. All right, well, get this. Ring Man, after he tastes that cocaine, oh, yeah. He is definitely interested. So they make a deal, but not before Ring Man slices the shit out of his hand with a giant carving knife to show that he and his zero threshold for pain don't fuck around. The word mercy ain't in my motherfucking vocabulary. Death fucking amuses me. It's our core, huh? So it looks like the bikers have bought themselves a little bit of time here on this debt they own. But this plan is going to involve stealing the booger sugar. That's another slang for cocaine, right, Doc? Uh, it is. I believe used at a Salt Lake City. Uh, from their own biker gang. They have to steal the, the, the booger sugar from their own biker gang, the Satan slaves. So it'll be interesting to see if these two numbnuts, Speedy and Spider, can pull this scheme off. I have doubts. Tuts. Cigar. I'm blazing through this thing. Yeah, it's weird. Normally I'm the you know one that's getting to the finish line. Man, that across that draw is just straight up nice, nice woodsy cedar. I'm still missing that leather component a little bit, but right on the middle of the tongue is just it's like somebody just laid a big piece of heavy wood right across there. When you just, get around the halfway mark, that's that's that leather is going to start coming out your nose. The, okay. le- the leather is going to replace the pepper. So it's leather and mineral on the nose. And then the cedar, pretty much the woodsy profile all the way through on the draw. Um, which again is a nice twist. It's changing. I am getting, I am starting to get that mineral, that, uh, uh, the mineral component across the nose. Yeah, boy, what about you? Uh, the, a little bit of pepper on the retro house still. I am getting. I do like the and the. I am getting it that leather touch of it anyways. The woodsiness has been there throughout the whole the whole time since I lit up. So so far so good. But I'm I'm just about right at halfway right now. So okay, I'm I'm a, that really is a pleasant retro hill. It is, and it's changing, which is nice. Don't don't bore me. It's not. Okay. Everybody's beer is working out okay for Yeah. Other than other than it's like hot as balls out here and I went with a Russian Imperial stout and it is a tasty beer though. It unlike because remember like when we did that that really crappy clown shoes stout and it was like hundred and fifteen and we were all yeah, like big fourth of July or big fourth of July episode. Yeah, we were all like, Well, it's just too hot to pick a stout. No, that was just crappy beer. This I can tell is actually a good beer. Like it's a tasty beer. It's just not meant for for this. That and, and for New Year's Eve, <laughs> right? And trying to trying to pair it with this. This has got such nice subtle nuances, and this is like a bull in the cigar shop just trampling all over that flavor. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, we'll we'll come back to the cigar here in a little bit. We all have quite a bit left. It is a tasty we, beverage. So. We cut to a giant pair of pointy white cowboy boots strutting towards the entrance of a pool hall. You know, the kind that Sebastian Bach used to high kick in the air when he was on stage with Skid Row. (laughs) But this time they're worn by, wait for it. Oh, yeah, Sebastian Bach of Skid Row. He's in this movie for some reason. It's only one pair of boots alive. I'm with you, Tut. I'm convinced nobody else can wear those white 
cowboy boots. And they're even more rock star because they're not like all the way up cowboy boots. They stop like above the ankle. Those are horrible. Uh, dude, nobody else can wear those but Sebastian Bach. Much like, much like that dude at the crossroads who sold his soul to the devil. When Sebastian Bach dies, those boots are going to like go to somebody else. He's just going to get up and walk away. <laughs> they're, like, they're like Dorothy's red slippers in the Wizard of Oz. They just curl up. And- yeah, it's going to be a, 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 your doorbell rings. Ding dong. Go answer it. Like, hello. Look down. Oh, no. 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 <laughs> <laughs> We are the youth gone wild. You just start singing. Remember yesterday. But <laughs> uh, hey, he's ah. part of Slim, a fellow treason. Speedy, what's the other guy's name? Speedy Spider and Slim, Gopi and, and Doc. Yeah. <laughs> A fellow treasonous biker, and he's accompanied by the two nun nuts, Speedy and Spider, and their fellow Satan Slaves member, Blackie. You know he's the leader of the rogue group because not only does he have Satan Slave on his back biker vest, he's got a Confederate flag up here. And his name doesn't start with an Rebel. His name starts with That's like double evil. Um... All their brothers look up from the pool game and smile. They're happy to see their buddies strutting into the pool hall. But not for long, as the four betrayers pull out their guns and make mincemeat of everyone in the bar. It includes the world's most awesome beer drop shot. This, <laughs> this thing is epic. This gruffy, lovable biker sees his buddies, holds up his beer. Yeah! His buddies pull guns out. Ooh! Drops beer slow motion. There's even a camera angle under the beer bottle as it drops. <sighs> Everything here is pretty much in slow motion. Uh, man, in the history of action cinema, which I think we're kind of experts at at this point, I think Scarlett wrote a letter to us about how <laughs> much we know about that. Uh, but I'll look that up later. Has there ever been a performer who looked more uncomfortable handling a weapon than Sebastian Bach looks in this thing? He's wearing like over his head, like behind his back. Like he looks like he's completely just nobody. Pew, 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 pew. pew. Before these call to action, nobody asks this dude, have you ever fired a gun before? I get, nope. Just go for it. You'll be fine. I've been in over 15 music videos. I know what I'm doing. Just trust me. And you can tell because his hair looked like a music video. Oh, he was teased. He had the eyeliner. He, had, he, he looked like he was ready to step on stage. You think the director was like, hey, we really need to help him out, but he's been snorting that sweet and low that we've been using as blow for the last two hours. I don't think we can give him any direction. <laughs> no, the, the director is like, look, that's 65% of our budget. Uh, we only got him for another 10 minutes. So, yeah, just roll it. Dude, he looked fucking crazy shooting that gun. But man, <laughs> It's horrible. Well, just like that, Spider and company had their beloved Smack. Doctor, is that right, Smack? Or is that heroin? Uh, smack is, is usually the colloquial term for heroin. Okay, so this is blow. Yes. All right, they grab the blow, and they, they slow motion Sebastian Bach and his three traders walk out of the, the bar. We then cut to the California coastline as the Point Doom title card pops up and a hard rock song. 
a very cheesy hard rock song starts jamming out as the credits roll. And we shift then to downtown Los Angeles. The song gives us just a gem of lyrics like this chorus. Los Angeles, you're a fucking whore. <laughs> Hollywood, you're an open sore. Okay. Oh, and this it gets better. Los Angeles, you've lost your grip. Drugs and lies and whores. Sucking dick. Oh, yeah. Oh, music of the people. Actually, you know what? As I sing that loud, it, it's not that bad. It's kind of catchy. I actually liked it. I, I didn't pay no attention. I didn't pay any attention to the lyrics. So I was like, I'm like, all right, well, I'll, I'll roll with it. But the music itself was very, very headbangerish, strip clubbish, and I liked it. Well, we see Hollywood talent agent Rick Hansen driving around in his convertible Porsche when he's cut off by a dozen or more of Satan's slaves on their mo- on their choppers blowing through stop signs. They don't stop at stop signs. Are you kidding me? Blackie even stops right in front of Rick's Porsche and stares him down before spitting out his gum on the hood of Rick's car. Yaks, am I right? These guys are a real bunch of assholes. That they are. But they're supposed to be the typical bikers they're the they're the premium top level biker gang in los angeles what a bunch of assholes they really are you don't get the name satan's slaves for your community service hey what was the name of the 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 motorcycle club in peewee's big adventure was it satan's helpers i think so yeah they were satan's helpers i like that name <laughs> and why would you want to be Satan's slaves? I mean, yeah. that's Satan helpers. Like that, that kind of implies you're there by choice. Yeah, voluntarily evil. Yeah, we're just we're helping out because we want to, not because we have to. Anyway. We're getting paid for this, right? No, no, you're slaves. You're... <laughs> well, Rick uh, Hansen heads straight over to his usual after work stop for dinner, the Playpen Strip Club. Run by his one and only friend, the Dice Man. Oh! Yes, that's right. Andrew Dice Clay plays Frankie, the strip club's manager, and he's happy to see his buddy, a.k.a. the club's cash cow, Rick. This dude is there all the time, every every night, like, Rick, I'm so happy to see you. Yeah, no shit. He's paying all your bills. Uh, no, no, it's his wonderful personality. At least in Point Doom, boys, starting right now, we watch a lot of movies on the podcast that we go to strip clubs and the girls take leave their tops on. We see, we see it all here. The playpen is... It looks like a strip club. It sounds like a strip club. Yeah. Um, and it's got Dice Man. That, that's, a, that's a good call. I... I uh... Yeah, you don't think about that very often when you see it. That place looked like the swank, you know, even though all strip clubs kind of are, you know, ain't the ribs, but that that one kind of, the playpen looked like, just from indoors and outside, that looked like the kind of real swank, high-dollar strip club. I'm going to have to take your guys' word for it. I know you guys have... Uh, oh, have, this is just this is just stuff I've heard. Yeah, I know. I, I've never actually walked inside one of those places. But I will say this, whenever a movie, if you're a, if you're a film director 
and you feature a strip club in your movie where the girls don't take their tops off, you are super duper lame and you shouldn't be able to make movies anymore. Concur. Rick and Frankie sit down and Rick goes right into it. Oh, I just don't get it, Frankie. I should mention, uh, Rick Hansen is played by 21 Jump Street's Richard Grieco. The Greek. The Greek. Is that is that a thing, Ted? No. Camacho, <laughs> DeFalco, Grieco. Oh! Oh! Uh, he, he, he rose to fame as a late cast, a late kind of came in late 21 jump street, joined the, the cops there. He had a, he got really popular. He got a big, his own. Yeah. Big, he did that. He did that spy movie. Uh, and I actually liked it. I remember seeing it. It, it, looks, it looks good kill. Yeah. That's it. That's it. And then he kind of just has kind of had a, he, he works, which, Hey, a lot a lot of people can't say that he works. Yeah. Okay. Does. Cause I haven't, I haven't seen him since the nineties. He does work. Um, and I always liked him on 21. He was actually the, the thing I liked about 21 jump street. I thought, I thought he was, he was kind of like a, a younger kind of more punk kind of Bruce Willis kind of, um, yeah, I, I dug him on 21 jump street. Um, so anyway, we're doing a Richard Rico movie there. I, I put it off as long as I could into the podcast. and We're doing a Richard Grieco. Uh, so Richard Grieco, a.k.a. Rick Hansen, says this. I just don't get it, Frankie. I'm young. I'm rich. I'm good looking. I'm a big time Hollywood agent. How come I can't find a woman? So with that right there, we know exactly who Rick Hansen is and what's going on with him. Bravo, screenwriter. In one sentence of dialogue, you let Rick <laughs> tell us everything we needed to know about Rick Hansen. No mystery with Rick. Frankie tells Rick to relax. Relax, Rick. There's a girl right there behind you. Her boobs are a, on your shoulder. I got a piece of cattle that's about to come on stage. It's going to make your bulls dance. Doctor, is that a thing? Can someone's balls actually dance? Well, I think if you're playing the right music. Uh, no, I, 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 uh, I don't, uh, don't, do I don't think that's actually a medical condition, um, of making the balls dance. Would you, you don't advise me. Uh, I would think that it would be, I let me put it this way. My <laughs> God, can you imagine every nerve ending in your balls being on fire? I mean, you just, the, the, well, pain and jubilation at the same time. My God. Doctor, if my balls start dancing, would you encourage me to come into your office right away? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, Frankie seems otherwise. He's all about your balls dancing. No. Turn off a smoking hot stripper in a Zorro outfit struts out on stage to the white horse song that Tut Fan Man. And Yak Boy told me didn't exist when we did the Red Horse episode. And I told you did. I'm like, if you want to ride, ride the Red Horse. And they're like, ride the white pony. And I'm like, what are you doing? I'm like, there's a song, White Horse, and I'm replacing Red Horse with it. It's a very popular song from the 70s. Never heard of it. Never heard of it. It's right here in this movie, you assholes. You heard it here. 
I'm not crazy. I remember that. Todd, it's got that killer keyboard hook, too. Ride the red horse. Can we, can we freeze Cody again? I, I don't need his. <laughs> Rick is transfixed by the Zorro performance. Who wasn't, right? Oh, my God. Until the stunningly gorgeous waitress Stephanie comes by to get his drink order. Holy shit. Is this actress Jennifer Odell jaw-droppingly beautiful or what? Yes. Yes. Amazing. She might be the most beautiful chick. Just natural beauty. We've had it on the show in 115 episodes. She's gorgeous. Jeez. Am I crazy? No. No, you're not. I'm just like, I've... I've been to a strip club or two and there were no waitresses that looked like her at the Angelina river pink shack. Sorry. I just saw Tut's new screen name. Oh, there's a white horse baby. And it's got Jennifer Odell's name written all over it. Oh, as a white horse. And it's in my pants. Oh, saddle up baby. <laughs> okay. Moving on. Well, Rick fails to impress her whatsoever. He say, he comes up with this, Jim. Are you an actress? She says, no, I'm not an actress. That's kind of why I work in the strip club. That's a good line. Well, I'm, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a talent agent in Hollywood, and I'd like to arrange for you to come in and have a test reading, he says, as he hands her one of his business cards that says, Rick Hansen, Hollywood talent agent on it. That's like when I go to the strip clubs and I hand them that white card that, just, out. that just says Doc printed on it. Like, you go, baby. <laughs> the doctor. It just says the Doc on it there. So, yeah, okay. Fuck off. Hey, you need to put the Hollywood Doc on there. That'll make the difference? Oh, yeah. Yes, yes. She actually, when he, <laughs> when, he, when he gives her the card, she actually politely laughs in his face as she takes the card and heads back to the bar to get his whiskey sour. He's probably the tenth schmuck to hand her one of these business cards. Oh, you know he is. Rick tells Frankie, I'm in love with one of your waitresses. But when he tells Dice Man that it's Stephanie, Dice warns him, if you like that pretty little face of yours, you'll be smart to leave Stephanie alone. Oh! He actually doesn't do a lot of it. <laughs> but hey, he's dead serious. Stay away from Stephanie. You know what I'm? He, spe- he speaks wisdom. He does. You know what I'm serious about, Todd? Dead serious. What are, what are you dead serious about? That's right. I'm talking about the craft and technique that's put into every Pappy Van Winkle Family Reserve barrel fermented cigar. It's a seriously fucking amazing process to witness when it's done right. Am I correct, Jack Boy? In Louisiana, we saw it. It's beautiful. Absolutely. The Pappy Van Winkle Family Barrel, uh, Family Reserve Barrel Fermented Cigar is a long filler premium cigar rolled in limited quantities at La Gran Fabrica Drew Estate in Esteli, Nicaragua. Deep barrel fermentation is the key process that makes this expression vastly different from anything else on the market. Whether you love it, whether you hate it, you can't deny that it is different. Hand-selected leaves from Kentucky are packed into small torquettes. That's bundles of tobacco to you noobs, which are 
then loaded strategically into oak bourbon barrels. Water's then added while immense pressure is applied to the torquettes via rubber jack. The tobacco is removed two to three times per year, shaken out, we've seen it, then repacked, rejacked. It's an awesome, it's just awesome, it's artistry. It is, it is an artisanal form of fermenting tobacco that is a, a kind of a fascinating thing to watch. The total process of fermentation takes 12 to 18 months. When you put that cigar in your lips, 12 to 18 months of work, hard work. We've seen those dudes. They're hard workers. Cramping it down in that barrel. 12 mm. to 18 months of work went into that cigar, leaving a truly unique flavor profile <laughs> and aroma. The Pappy Van Winkles Family Reserve Barrel Fermented is now available at brick and mortar, true diplomat retailers everywhere. I highly encourage you to go find it. And if you want the trademark, only guys doing the pig is Drew Estate. The pig format, you got to go to pappyco.com. They're selling it on their website. But everywhere else, Drew Diplomat, man. Find them. I'm not going to say you'll love it, but I will say you will find it unique and interesting. Fair statement? Oh, yeah, definitely. I, In fact, I am like, because specifically of the Pappy Van Winkle, when it comes to cigar, grandmasters, master blenders, all that good stuff, it's the one cigar that I'm like, when I think of Willie Herrera, the guy who blends it, I'm like, that dude is a genius. To be able to do product control on this month after month, year after year, it's it's amazing. I mean, it, it is such a unique, unique profile that it's, I know, I don't, man, I, I, it's not in my wheelhouse. It's not in my, or not in my, like, you know, profile definition, but the fact that if I had to copy that cigar day in, day out, making sure that all those blends are perfectly on point, I don't think I could do it. That's, that's, to me, that's amazing. Well, Yakwa, I think we're in unison on this. Tuck couldn't do it. No. No. You're not, you're not qualified for that, Tuck. Well, it's not like I've ever been to Nicaragua or anything like that. Hey, I left uh, it. I didn't say anything. Then rolled expertly at Gran Fabrica Drew State Nestle, Nicaragua. You wouldn't understand if you've never been there. Actually, I don't think we saw the Pappies. That's the one of the few. I don't remember seeing the Pappies. Well, we um, the room that what that we did go, actually go into there to the 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 cold storage room. No, I remember that. I don't remember actually seeing uh, the rollers. Yeah, no, I don't think they don't. I don't think they took us to that one. We, I mean, I didn't, like, we didn't see any of the fire cure, the the Kentucky fire cure. We didn't see any of that tobacco. Well, I mean, they also, you know, were very. They they kept a lot of that separated because they didn't want the 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 smells or anything or any of that to to mix with the other cigars. So a lot of that was separate. I, I will encourage uh, if you do. Go all in on the box of Pappy Van Winkles or Fire Cure Tobacco or any, um, you know, the Sweet Janes or the Infused. I, I highly encourage everyone to buy a separate humidor. You can get them cheap. Uh, keep those separate from your traditional premium sticks because that Fire Cured is a potent aroma without being lit. It just kind of emits off of that wrapper and you don't want to me meld those flavors and, and scents. Um, but yeah, seek them out. Let us know what you think. Uh, 
I will say this: out of all the fire cured blends, the Pappy is the one that's most to my taste. Yeah. Um, uh, it every once in a while I just kind of go for it, but um, yeah, let us know what you think. Speaking of cigars, uh, I'm approaching the final third on this. It is mellowed out nicely. Um, still mineral, uh, mainly mineral, uh, no pepper whatsoever on retrohale. It's very smooth retrohale. And that woodsy cedar note on the, on the draw. Uh, not as much yin and yang and interchanging flavors right now. It's just mainly the, the smooth draw. And the really light leather cedar draw. I'm enjoying it quite a bit. How about you guys? I really enjoy the retro hell on this. Uh, I said it was pleasant earlier, and it it really, really is. Uh, it's, it's nice, isn't it, to not get kicked in the nuts by a retro hell? Yeah, and, and like all the flavors are just they're they're profiled there. There's a mineral. I still think that there's like a little breadiness or a toastiness to it. That's like on the top third of the. Or the like, right back here on the uh, retro hill, and I, I, I just really, really appreciate it. There's just the, the slightest hint of pepper going through there. Uh, it's not overpowering at all. It's just a little bit of flavor getting on there. I, I really, really like it. Mix that with the mineral. It's great. I, I, I nailed that uh, bready note you're getting. It's English, English muffin. <laughs> Interesting. But you know what? Right before the no, uh, I'm kidding. <laughs> Uh, right before that, the final third started, I did get a kick, a, a jump up in strength and spice on the nose briefly. And again, it's not boring me. It's keeping me interested. Like, where's this going? Uh, yeah, it's a pretty, pretty nice, got, got some nice transitions in here. Um, I'll come back to it. Yeah, boy. The, that, the, the pepper, has stayed mild. The the breadiness has picked up a little bit. You're getting the for breadiness my, too, huh? Yeah. For the for myself, I'm I'm starting to pick up. Uh, actually, I'm getting a little bit more of that chocolate flavor now towards the end. Really? Okay. Surprisingly, I'm I'm, you know, I was trying to figure out what it is that I got after halfway. Like, what's going on here? And I'm like, that's this chocolate. I mean, I don't know where it came from. Usually that, you know, that comes in most of the time, uh, the first half of a cigar, but this one, eh, just, a, just a touch of it. Complexity and transitions. I love it. I, it's a really good cigar. I really like it. So I'll, I'll check back in once we're almost done for price point and final thoughts. Um, let's get back to the movie. Later that night over at the pool hall, an army of police are there roping off the crime scene and interrogating bikers. So this is the next night. It took 24 hours for them to, to figure out there was this huge massacre going on there. It's LA. Uh, it's LA. The gang's leader, Tiny, did you recognize him, Ty? I, uh, no, but he's got one of those faces that I knew I should. The actor's name is Jin Maniaki. And he played the Black Masked Avenger in Cannibal Women in the Avocado Jungle of Death. The wrestler that I'll do yeah. for the rest of the, the mission? That's him. Yeah. But why would you recognize him? He had a mask on. He had a mask on. <laughs> but that was him. But I do love that scene in that movie. 
That was a great episode, episode 109. And I said it on our last show. I'll say it again. This podcast at this point has become so incestuous with actors from other movies in our our five years, like filmmakers. Everyone kind of keeps popping back up at this point uh, in this cesspool of cinema that we've dug our, our heels into. Uh, I, I like it. I, I'm like, hey, this guy... Who is this guy? Oh, wait, we already saw this guy. Of course we already saw this guy. He was the masked Avenger in Avocado Women in the Jungle of Death or whatever the hell that movie was. Six days of the TNCC podcast. That actually got me thinking a little bit, and I mean, this is going to be a way off topic, but in uh, the NFL, you're having a, a revision or a relook at the Rooney Rule to uh, interview uh, minority. <laughs> <laughs> Hang with me. I'll, I'll connect the dots. You know, cannibal women in the avocado jungle of death. The Rooney Rule. I know. I, I want to see where this is going. Hey, let's, let's see where this. How you segue into this one? I'm, I'm connecting the dots. All right. So you know, they're the big thing is that you know you get the same old white dudes getting these coaching positions. You know, why not bring in new blood? Why not bring in fresh new guys? You know, why keep retreading all these old coaches? Maybe it's kind of like films. You get to working with actors. You tell me that there's not another actor who could do Tiny, but maybe the director had worked with Tiny, had seen some stuff, and it's like, you know what? I feel comfortable with Tiny. He's not the best out there, but I know what I get with Tiny. Well, it's a bizarre tangent for sure, Todd. So I give you, I give you points. I give you five points for just craziness. I like craziness. Uh, but, you know, when Tiny, the actor playing Tiny, uh, Jim Maniaki, only has like five credits to his name, I don't think you can really say he's getting white privileged into his Hollywood acting career. Uh, I, wasn't, I didn't mean to say, like, I didn't mean to put it, of course, I mean, how can you mention Rooney Rule and not be racial, racial? I didn't mean to say that his hiring was racial. I'm just saying that the director might have felt comfortable with it. Maybe he worked with Tiny on one of Tiny's five credits possibly possibly uh, oh i've got another one all right so you've got what tiny manicone or whatever his name manicotti. is manicotti manicotti is an italian dish <laughs> okay the and, then you have, and then you have art camacho and, and david, have, david defalco the writer this is a mob movie this is a mob-financed movie. It was mob money coming in and say, hey, we're going to give our man Art Camacho here. He's got a story. Or or Vinny the Chin had a script, and they wanted to finance it. That's what happened here. You're saying this is like the horror movie that Christopher uh, produced for In the Sopranos? I forgot about that. Yes. Yes. You think Sebastian Bach owed some gamblers $50,000, and yeah. so this is how he worked it off? Sebastian Bach. You're gonna be in a movie with us now. Get those white cowboy boots out of storage, bitch. Sebastian Bach was in those in one of those Motel Six <laughs> late night card games. Lost the boat and had to show up and act in this fucking movie. But he's credited as Sebastian Bacaria. <laughs> Sebastian Baccaroni. Sebastian Baccarone. Well, Spider tells Tiny, the boss, that six of their brothers got blown away. He leaves out the part that he was part of the shooting, and Sebastian Bach was there too, although he only shot the ceiling. And (laughs) And the walls. And Tiny is pissed. 
And the paper boy going by. You know what, though? Unlike Cliff Klingsbury or whatever that coach is who shouldn't be a coach, Tiny, the guy playing Tiny is actually a good actor. He, he plays Tiny really good. Uh, he actually is. Uh, Cliff, I didn't mean to discredit Tiny. Crossing, we're crossing too many streams here. Kingsbury at least hasn't been an NFL coach previously. No, but no African-American college coach with his record would ever be hired into the NFL. Would any African-American college coach want to coach the Arizona Cardinals? Of course they would. Well, all right, true. I was taking a shot at the Cardinals. I was going to say something about Ice-T. Give me that motherfucking money. But I was... uh, I'd love to see Ice-T coaching an NFL team. That'd be awesome. Now that's more the XFL style. No, let's have Ice-T in the NFL. That would be fantastic. Can you see? He doesn't bother no with pain. that challenge flag. no pain. Your dude breaks his leg, lineman. I got no threshold for pain, motherfucker. <laughs> well, Tom, he's least wearing the sweet fur felt impact on the sidelines. Well, listen. Get your ass back on that field. The box. I mean, I, it's, it's not, you know, Tom Landry for du- – Fedora, but I mean, it would be its own thing. I'm just iconic. Interesting. <laughs> the iconic. It's iconic, dude. In the football hall of fame, they would bronze the iconic ice tea Kangol hat. Well, Tiny tells Spider and Blackie that there's a mandatory meeting in two hours, and everyone has to be there. They have to find the missing drugs. And real quick, guys, I gotta tell you, I'm. Not cashing the cigar, but I'm well into the final third. The spice came back. The strength on the nose came back. It, yeah. it down. I just got done saying how mellow it was. Boom. Spice on the nose. God, I love it. Meanwhile, at the Marmalade Cafe, <laughs> Stephanie has stopped in for a late night strawberry milkshake after her shift is over at the playpen, and Rick has followed her. You should try the God, what a stalker. And a bad one. He sits in his car in the parking lot just watching her. Yeah, that's not creepy. But here's the great part. He tells her she should try the chocolate shake, and she doesn't even remember him. Have we met? He says, yeah, I'm Rick Hansen, the Hollywood talent agent from the club earlier. And she still looks at him kind of weird. Ouch. I'm sorry. I meet five of you a night. At least in L.A., she tells him that he better uh, bail before her very jealous boyfriend shows up, but he says he won't leave until she promises to come audition for him. Finally, she agrees just to get this st- his stalking ass to leave her alone. Rico one, Stephanie zero. <laughs> Am I the only one who thought this whole angle on the Rick character was odd? Because Rick Richard Rico in 2000 was a pretty good-looking dude. And if you're that good-looking and driving a Porsche around a Hollywood agent with all this great dude. There's a scene with him, like where he, he tries to talk to a chick on the street as he's in his Porsche. And she like laughs in his face. Who's buying this, but it's no. so it's such bad stalking. I mean, not that I would really know good stalking from bad, but I'm just not buying the chicks are so like, yeah, I mean, cause by him and laughing at, yeah, no, no, no. To Kate's point, like when we were in Vegas, you saw the dudes that just looked like they had no game whatsoever, but they had a whole bunch of money and they were flocked. You can't yeah. tell me, you can't tell me Greco comes up. Greco, pretty good looking dude, comes up in that Porsche. 
nah, he's he's getting some looks. But unless they see him out in the parking lot and he's looking, because he's a stalker. Oh, he's a total stalker. Well, Rick, right. Rick, on to that point, Rick goes out to his Porsche where he creepily chain smokes cigarettes while watching Stephanie pace around for seemingly hours outside. Dude, her boyfriend never shows until finally, asshole Blackie, the very asshole who spit his gum out on Rick's car earlier that day, pulls up on his chopper, grabs her violently when she talks shit to him, throws her on the back seat and takes off. You miss your motorcycle? I do. I do. I miss miss pulling up to strip clubs. You ever grab- hollering at a stripper, shaking them and throw them on back. And- you ever grab a stripper by her hair and just get on. No, no, I didn't. Little Richard said I'm something special. <laughs> well, he said I was not bad. Now get on the back. That's a good point. I would roll up to a pub on a motorcycle. I'm getting girls looks. They're not laughing at me. No, there's many a night back in the early days of the pub where Cody and I would see you give chicks joy rides on your motorcycle. Oh, I gave them joy rides all right. <laughs> it was around the block. They were laughing. Yeah, it was a good time. You came back to the pub pretty quickly. <laughs> they, they, oh! they ran to their cars. Oh! When they arrive at Stephanie's apartment, uh, Blackie apologizes for getting rough with her. He just hates the idea of her working at that strip club, but she tells him that he knows damn well why she has to do it. I'm not stripping. I'm wagering. And you know I'm responsible for taking care of me and my handicapped sister. You know that, Blackie. And now we do, too. Thank you, screenwriter. Don't let us find it organically. You just told us everything about her we need to know in that one line of dialogue. Let's just take the mystery right out. Bravo. He looks up with his piercing Matt Cade-esque blue eyes and says, Jesus, you know I love you, baby. You know how I am. And that's all she needs to hear as she smiles and tells him to come on inside and screw. Boys, it's a blessing and a curse. Trust me on that. When they get inside the apartment, we're introduced to Stephanie's sister, Jess, played by Angie Everhart. But she's wearing a baggy set of overalls to look a lot less like the Angie Everhart we've come to know. Was she on Baywatch? I, I, was she a Baywatch girl? Man, uh, it doesn't really matter if she was or wasn't because she's Angie Everhart. I've seen a lot of her B movies, but I, I could have swore maybe she came on in the later years of Baywatch. I don't think so, but if she did, it would have been the very later years. I'm not a redhead guy. But Angie Everhart and Tut, you're a huge redhead guy. I would think Angie Everhart would. What y'all are saying about the blonde chick, rightfully so. You said it about the blonde chick, too. I know. Angie Everhart is above that. She chews up screen time. I don't care if she's in a baggy pair of sweats. That is one beautiful lady. Let me be the first to apologize for picking the one Angie Everhart movie where she keeps her clothes on. I'm sorry. I know. I'll find another one. I know. And that's why I'll go ahead and say it. That's why I chose the ridiculous as fuck beer. Because this movie is ridiculous as fuck. 
because we don't see Angie Everett's boobs? Yes. That is expert beer pairing. I'm proud of you, Todd. And I've never said those words before. Just, just bring a quick uh, dice I, back I, in to say, look at Angie Everett. She'll make your balls dance. She'll make your balls dance. Oh! oh. They already are. Oh! Doctor, she was in Baywatch? No, uh, not according to IMDb. She was in another nine and a half weeks. Yes, she was. And another 69 and a half weeks. <laughs> what was the name oh. of the movie? What was the, what was the <laughs> name of the Tud, it's in the it's on the black it's on the dark web. I'll send you a link. <laughs> okay. Which we were about to end up. <laughs> we learned quickly that Jess needs Stephanie around to remind her to take her meds. She has some kind of mental and physical health issues. But all this bullshit annoys the hell out of Biker Blackie, who just wants to chug some beers and get laid after a long day. Yeah. He's a man. After a long day of doing nothing? <laughs> no, he's been smoking cigarettes and drinking with his biker buddies, Doctor. Oh, my apologies. You're right. You that just smoked away. your last cigarette and killed your last brother. <laughs> it's stole 2.5 kilos of cocaine. Now you just want to get laid. But your girlfriend's epileptic sister is going to get in the fucking way. <laughs> it's Willer time. <laughs> He and Jess do not get along whatsoever, as you can probably guess by now. And when he tells Stephanie that he has a deal cooking that can bring enough money to get them the hell out of there, just them. Jess storms off and Stephanie runs off to comfort her dependent sibling. And maybe behind the bedroom's closed doors, they start kissing. <laughs> and I mean, it's Angie Everhard. That'd be pretty cool. Right, Doctor? I would be, that would be very cool. Total, you into this? My yeah, they, they God, did. I can't imagine how cool it would be. Can you imagine the two of them, lips parting in sensuous expectation, <laughs> lights dimming as Blackie snorts cocaine unknowingly in the in the living room? My God Almighty! The two of them locked together in warm, passionate embrace. <sighs> I, I oh, Tut's having a seizure. Okay. Uh, unfortunately, guys, that that does not happen. They, they they just have a sisterly embrace. And that that segment brought to you by ridiculous as fuck beer. <laughs> I'll buy that for a dollar. Buy that for a dollar. Okay. Well, the next morning at very vivid uh, graphics, there, dog. You you are a master in your craft. Well, thank you very much, Kate. I, I do believe in uh, being able to present the imagery. Uh, next time I bring it up, could you work scissoring into the imagery? I could scissor some scissoring into that, yes. Okay. The next morning at his Hollywood talent agency office, Rick Hansen is auditioning a handful of hopeful young starlets. But he's not interested in any of them, as he asks his assistant over and over again if a girl named Stephanie is called. Yeah. Because strip club waitresses who date bikers wake up before noon and make phone calls. <laughs> but also, as we can tell that he's a good Hollywood talent agent. But Rick's got some common sense here. <laughs> and while Rick is suffering through hours upon hours of disappointment, Blackie stops by Stephanie's place and hands her the duffel bag full of drugs 
She's outside on the front porch stretching in her yoga pants. Hey, keep the stay for me, babe. What's in there? It's our future. Don't look in it. Okay. No, she, that didn't. she didn't look in it. That's weird, right? That wouldn't fly at all. Tud, if, don't. You, Tud, if you gave your wife a, a duffel bag and she's like, what's in it? And you're like, don't look in it. It's our future. Would she be like, okay. She might. Now, me, on the other hand, I'm opening that thing up. I'm like, don't look at this, Tut. Divorce papers? Hey, but, uh, I'm, picture, I'm picturing Cade coming home and handing, handing a black duffel bag, a heavy black duffel bag to his wife and going, don't look in here, babe. It's our future. And before she opens it up, she's hitting you over the head with it. Well, no, her first, her first inclination would be it's some bad shit in there that has nothing to do with her and I'm 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 bullshitting. What's in your, what's in the bag? Uh, our future. <laughs> don't don't look in it, or else or else our future won't be good. Like it sounds like sounds legit. Okay, it tracks. <laughs> um, oh my goodness, I'm almost done with the cigar, Ted. Are you? Actually, I'm not. I'm kind of hanging in there. All right, well, I'll wait, I'll wait till Yak Boy gets back and we'll uh, talk final thoughts. Blackie heads back to his motel to snort some lines and get some rest when a sweet early 90s Pontiac Firebird pulls up, driven by Slim, Sebastian Bach. How does he drive with those boots? How can he work the pedals with those size 18 white boots? You've got to be... Breaking and gassing. That's why he's the only one who can wear those boots and why they are a sign or a compact with the devil. Oh my God. Well, he and a lanky biker named Speedy burst through Blackie's motel door, punch him in the face, and Speedy puts a pistol to Blackie's head, demanding their cut of the stuff. Speedy, Slim, Spider, Sneezy, Bashful, and Doc. They suspect Blackie's plan on keeping it all for himself, and if he doesn't take them to the duffel bag, Sebastian Bach says Speedy's going to blast your brain from Tokyo to Timbuktu. And he's so convincing when he says it, too. What? I was really more hoping that we call junk. To me, it's just monkey business. I'm sorry. Best Kid Row song ever was monkey business. Remember you. But wasn't Skid Row 18 in life? Yeah, they did 18. And Youth Gone Wild. They had a lot of Youth Gone Wild, yeah, yeah. Those boots don't pay for themselves, Tut. (laughs) (laughs) And at this point, I really just wanted him to like grab the gun and hold it up and like, these boots are a part of me. Make them a part of you. (laughs) They're gonna be a part of you. But that's not how it plays out, Yak Boy. As Blackie knocks the gun out of Speedy's hand, grabs it off the floor, and blows Speedy's brains out instead. Laughs. And just as he's about to shoot Sebastian Sebastian Bach in the dick, you look like a bitch, so you're going to die like a bitch. I'm guessing it's the teased hair and the eyeliner. that. Oh, man, his hair was perfect 80s video coiffed. And you know know he is not lasting in hand-to-hand combat with Blackie. The hair, the eyeliner, but the boots, too. They, they didn't help his case. Either. The pistol jams, and Blackie jumps up and hauls ass out of the room and jumps on his motorcycle, 
with Sebastian Bach jumping in the Firebird in Hot Pursuit. Fun fact, that's 115 podcasts in a row where I've used the term Hot Pursuit. (laughs) It's in every single movie we've ever done. There's somebody in Hot Pursuit. After a brief but highly entertaining car chase. So uh, Hot Pursuit is like the TNCC equivalent of every cop show going, what have we got? I thought that was funny. I mean, I'm, pretty, don't, sure don't a, I'm pretty sure there's a movie called Hot Pursuit, which we're going to have to do next. I'm going to look that up. There it is. But I don't know where Tut was going with the every cop show. Every been. every cop show where the detectives come up to a crime scene. Yeah. That's that's what they – what have we got? <laughs> okay. No, now, no, no, no. All right. Now I get it. Okay. Hold on. Hot Pursuit, 1987, starring John Cusack, Robert Loja. And Jerry Stiller. Robert Loza. It's all coming together, boys. Come around again. Well, not only can Sebastian Bach not shoot a shotgun straight, he can't drive a car straight with a two-seater. Dude, it's a straight street, and he's swerving into dumpsters, and he, he's all over the bucket place. Oh, I'm going to get him. I'm going to get him this time. Some poor bastard pulls out of an alleyway in front of the Firebird, and the car goes soaring over it, erupting into flames. That's ironic, right? It is. The Firebird flying through the air in flames? (sighs) I I think that was a metaphor for a lot of things that the director wanted us to read into. I I don't think Art Camacho was going that deep. (laughs) Well, it looks like that's two dudes now, Speedy and Slim, that Blackie isn't going to have to share his part of the loot with. And he stops his motorcycle and looks back at Sebastian Bach and laughs. As Sebastian Bach, he actually gets out of the car. He gets out of the car. I was just about to say that. In a ridiculous scene, he crawls out of this flaming firebird, gives a, a look to the sky. No! Right when the fireball hits and you see Blackie slow-mo driving And then away. underneath the firebird, you see the white boots curl up like the Wizard of Oz. <laughs> it's like everything, green, everything about that was preposterous. It's like Green Lantern's ring. It rises up. They rise up into the air and fly off to the next recipient. Don't go to the next guy. You're just waiting to see, like, this person look down and they've got these white boots on. Like, What? <laughs> Well, over at the playpen, Rick is looking up in the, the moonlit sky and sees a pair of white boots fly across the moon. No, no. He is meeting Dice Man, sorry, Frankie, for lunch. So not only does Rick eat dinner at the playpen every night, he also gets his lunch at the titty bar. And he's wondered why he's constantly frustrated by hot chicks. No, 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 seriously. The buffet is, the buffet is extremely good. And once again, he's lamenting the fact uh, I got to look at all these beautiful women all day that I can't have. Hey, Rick, how about going to Applebee's or Chili's for their lunch buffet? I guarantee you, you won't have these problems. Go to Denny. How about an IHOP? Or due to my extensive research on the subject since I've never been, Rick, you have a $20 bill. You can have that woman, that woman, or that woman. You're in a strip club. For two and a half minutes at least. I'm going to start going to the strip clubs for lunch. At least until Uncle Tom's Cabin finishes. He's just sitting in strip club after strip. The, all these, I just these, I just can't stand looking at all these beautiful women and I can't have them. Maybe Dude, stop, stop trying to pick up women in a strip club. Go to Cracker Barrel. Eat somewhere else. Olive Garden. 
I mean, you're not where gonna else are you going to get a five ninety nine premium steak and lobster? All you can eat breadsticks and salad, Rick. And there's a lot of fat fucking bitches eating there that you won't you won't have these issues with. Yeah, but you don't get the same turf as our surfing turf. I'm, I'm with yeah, because I'm going for the unlimited breadstick sir. right here, honey. Oh! In fact, I'm going to go get some of that right now. Later, fellas. <laughs> and we've lost the doctor. God damn it. No, no, no. All of a sudden, Frankie's there. Hey, Doc, good to see you again. Oh, it's a Doc. Look, Dice. I'm going to hand out my Hollywood Doc cheesy cards. <laughs> Look, Dice tells uh, Rick. I'm sorry, Frankie tells Rick to play the field a little bit. Just concentrate on getting laid. But Rick wants one girl and a family. Family? There's my family, he says, pointing up on the stage. Pahoosh! <laughs> I said, as he points at a girl's ass up on the main stage. When Rick brings up Stephanie again, Dice flips out and tells his buddy, unless he wants a, to wake up with a stick of dynamite in his ear, courtesy of the Satan slaves, he needs to forget about Stephanie. Pronto! I just love the fact that Rick is trying to get family and kids in a strip club. I just this, want a family and kids. This reminds oh, me of... Uh, come other, over here, cinema. It's like finding a good meal at Cracker Barrel. This, this, this reminds me of some years earlier in life when uh, uh, guys I know, we would meet up at Hooters and they would think they were going to find their girlfriend there. And that's Hooters. They don't even take their clothes off there. Like, yeah, I'm going to find true love at the strip club. No, you think so? Well, hey, once again, like in episode 52 we did with Pretty in Pink, Dice Man is the guy working at the bar giving sage advice. Wise words. From and Dice. the best actor in this movie. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Hands down. Hands well, down. And I, I let's, let's not uh, – Ice-T is pretty good, too. Eh. Damn straight, motherfucker. I love, all right, I, I love that Ice-T brings it. I'm not. No, no, it's not good, but he tried. Oh, and I, and I actually like that. I mean, there's there's so much crap in this movie. It's a mob movie. They don't care. They're just trying to get it finished. So Cousin Vinny has his script done. But Ice-T signs up, and he's a professional. I mean, you could tell. He might not be the great actor, but at least he's being professional and giving know. it his all. I don't know if it's so much as he's a professional. I think it's so much as that he was a pimp, a drug dealer, a rapper, and he's probably making more money in a movie than he did at any of those things, and he just considers himself a lucky son of a bitch. Granted, hard work equals good luck, and he just doesn't want to blow this cash cow. But at the same time, he's not great in this by any means, but he's trying. You can tell he's trying. Yeah. But he's got to be doing these scenes with Spider. He's got to be like, I should have been in motherfucking Gremlins. Like he, he definitely, he brings energy. Don't put water after midnight. What is that bullshit? He, don't, he, uh, don't feed these motherfuckers after wind. Don't let these motherfuckers have the sunlight. Come on. Come on. No, he, he, uh, no, I sound like Stephen A. Smith there all of a sudden. <laughs> Let the sunlight on these motherfuckers. Uh, no, he he brings energy to it, and I, I remember seeing something way back in the day. I think it was like a behind the music or, or way long time ago, where uh, you know, because he'd been in he'd been in so many B movies, and he just said something about like you know, 
you know, they're going to pay me $50,000 a week. He's all, hell yeah, I'm going to go out there and do give everything I got. And I was like, okay, so he's, he's, you know, I, I'll appreciate that. He, he, he brings energy to it. He's not walking through anything. And I, and I love that. I respect the hell out of that. Doctor, how many, managing how many uh, hoes and bitches would it take to bring in 50 Gs a week? I mean, that's got to be astronomical. God, the amount of hoes and tricks and bitches and skeezers and hood rats one must employ to come through $50,000 a week, it, it boggles the mind. It's off the charts. I forgot about the hood rats. <laughs> Never forget the hood rat. It reminds me of a Simpsons episode where Mar, uh, Bart wants to go to the rap concert, and Marge's like, I don't know about rap music. It encourages rudeness to hoes. <laughs> Well, guess what? Guess what? Rick's luck might be about to change. We cut to Stephanie's apartment where she's holding Rick Hansen talent agent's business card and dialing his talent agency up in Hollywood. Just as Blackie busts in the front door, he demands to know who she's talking to on the phone. But she says it was the wrong number. Okay. He doesn't care. He's horny. <laughs> What's gotten into you, Stephanie asks, as he's nibbling on her neck. Oh, I don't know. He's been doing blow for 24 hours and drinking beers. He's horny. Oh, and you're the literally the hottest girl in Los Angeles. And he's coked and drugged out of his mind. And you're a hood rat. <laughs> I don't know if she's a hood rat. She's, she's not a hood rat. She might be skanky. But she's she's a waitress at a stripper club. Yeah, she's, she's not a hood rat. <laughs> She's yeah. skanky, but she's not a hood. I like I like Cade's democratic explanation. She's not a hood rat. Well, she's a little skanky. <laughs> well, as she playfully pushes him away, she tells him they can't fool around because Jess is in the next room. Her sister will bring her out. He says, "That's a Diceman line." We'll bring her out. Okay, All of a Blackie has some redeeming characteristics. Now we're getting somewhere. Here we go. But she says. Don't even joke about it. Sorry, Tut. And she goes to the kitchen to get him a beer and an ashtray. Tut, what would your wife do if you burst in the door and said, go get me a beer and an ashtray? She would pour me a ridiculous as fuck beer. And pour it over your head. <laughs> as Blackie pours some cocaine on the coffee table and rolls a joint, he notices that it's Rick Hansen talent agent's business card that he's cutting the lines with on the table, and he goes bananas. I thought that was a nice touch. That it was I Rick, do like that touch. Rick's card that he's cutting his lines with? I thought that was very well nice. That was very Doctor, well played. Did I use that term correctly, cut lines? Yes, you did. Okay. You can also use chopping lines, but cutting lines works as well. Okay. Basically the same thing, cutting, chopping. He grabs Stephanie's hair tight and starts slapping her around and choking her. What? You think this guy's going to make you a big fucking movie star? Are you fucking him? But luckily, Jess emerges from the bedroom just in time in a baggy sweatshirt to make her look a lot less like Angie Everhart. And when Blackie starts shaking her violently, Jess falls to the ground and begins having a full-blown seizure. Blackie doesn't need any of this drama shit, so he bails out the door, leaving Stephanie to calm her sister down. And then they start taking each other's clothes off. <laughs> Kissing. No, no, Tut. What's the beer you're drinking? Ridiculous as fuck. 
Later that night, over a cup of tea on the couch, Stephanie tells Jess that this will never happen again. It's over between her and Blackie, she promises. And then they start French kissing and scissoring. And no, no, damn it, Tuck. God, the scissoring is just insane. The dexterity of these young women to be able to scissor that way. Every nerve ending in Tut's body is on fire. Doctor, there was there was no scissor. You started this. <laughs> Guys, let's end on the scissoring here. That's a good break. Good segue. Uh, I am about to cash the cigar. I'm close, yeah. Where are you, AX? I'm about the same. I'm I'm right there. Dude, check out Yax's new name. <laughs> What's Yax's name on here now? Hollywood. Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Yax, for you listeners, has changed his name on the visual version of the podcast to Hollywood Talent Agent. Yeah, um, complexity, transitions, coffee, leather, woodsy. Mineral, pepper, big jumps up in strength. Then yeah, yeah, I was about to say I just got into that tooth that last third, and it does it does pop up there. It does pop up briefly. Uh, it's a kind of a cool little roller coaster of of classic flavors. Um, I liked it a lot, and it went really good with the double vlog beer. Tut, I know you had a lot of flavors coming in from your beer. Uh, yeah. yeah. Tut- he lost Yak Boy right as I <laughs> went to him. And Doctor, uh, you did not have tonight's cigar, but I, I get you're still enjoying your beer. Uh, I am still very much enjoying the uh, Kolsch from the Alaskan Brewing Company. It's a good beer. And okay. uh, this sounds like a, a really worthy cigar. I look forward to it. It was. Uh, so you'll get one of those. Yak Boy is back now. So let's talk price point. Where would you guys guess that this thing would cost? I'm going... Boutique brand. Boutique doesn't brand. Put out, doesn't put out a lot of stuff on a yearly basis. Um, that the, right there, eleven twenty-five. Eleven twenty-five from Tuck. Yeah, boy. I was gonna say eleven, but he went. I, I gotta separate myself a little bit more, so I'll go ten fifty. Ten fifty. Well, guys. MSRP on this and what we paid at Smoker's Abbey in Cedar Park, Texas, Tut's go-to hometown shop. Was it an easy experience, Tut? I ordered them online. Absolutely. I walked right in the door. They said, are you here to pick up Matt's uh, Matt's cigars? I was like, yes, I am. They're right there. Right there. Boom. We actually had a a technical snafu. We had to get some more of these. I I ordered the initial batch from our sponsor, Famous Smoke Shop. You got the, the substitutes very easily. Uh, through curbside at Smoker's Abbey. You ready for this? Eleven fifty, eleven ninety nine, ten. Eleven twenty five and ten fifty. Seven dollars and fifty cents. Lies, lies, and slander. That's how's good. It, how's it slander if it's good? That's a good price. I ain't gonna lie. That's a good price right there. Uh, I believe Matt Booth referred to uh, tonight's cigar as a premium, a premium cigar at a. I don't have my notes, but he but he did say this was. He's really good at making blends at a affordable price point. His Payback series, which I'm a big fan of, 
is very affordable in that same, even a little bit less than the $750 price range. Yeah, $750 for this bad boy. And we've been smoking the hell out of it, and it's been a yeah. great $750 for the way you guys have been talking about it and the time you were able to enjoy it today for me, that's a that's a steal. No, $750, I'm willing to pay $1050. So Yeah, yeah. I mean, when I said eleven twenty-five, I wouldn't I wouldn't flinch at paying that. So I'm gonna say that I'll be curious to see how what our numbers, our scientific numbers point to this cigar's rating. I will say that budget wise this is the best budget cigar in terms of price point versus quality yeah you can't i can't remember a cigar that had like this much i think maybe the shaggy from uh, uh yasim crawl that we did a couple of years back that he never freaking released again yeah uh, yeah that, that never came back and we love that cigar and it was at a decent price bar. yeah that was a good price point but this price point is excellent for this cigar oh yeah and I'd say I'd buy a box. The only problem is they only come in boxes of 50. So it's like 300 and something bucks for, for a box. They're cheap, but you got to buy a shitload of them. Uh, get, but, you a couple, get you a couple of friends together. Go in on that because that's worth it. But if you're interested in buying a five pack at 750 a pop and maybe a considerable discount, where would you go, Tut? And what promo code would you use? I would probably go to TuesdayNightCigarClub.com. I would click on the Famous Smoke Shop banner there, and then I would search for the Room 101, the Doomsayer, and then I would go to the add it to my cart, then in the checkout. Doomsayer aggressive. Aggressive. And then I would enter the promo code TNCC20, TNCC20, and you will get $20 off that. That's like 20% off that bad boy. Yeah. So, you know, you're looking at $750 a pop, maybe a, a fiver costs you 30 something bucks. You get three fivers, it's a little over 100 bucks for 15 sticks. You throw on TNCC 20, all of a sudden you're getting 15 badass smokes for well under 100 bucks. Shit. Today's game, set, match. You can't, you can't beat that. You, shit. Really, you really can't. That's an awesome price. Well done, Matt Booth. We cut to the Marmalade Cafe, where Stephanie, wearing sunglasses to hide her shiner, sheepishly shows up to meet Rick for dinner. When Rick gently removes her shades, Stephanie breaks down, telling the Hollywood talent agent that her boyfriend is going to kill her if she doesn't get away from him. He offers her his beach house, and he tells her he'll loan her some money until she's back on her feet. And guess what? What are you doing? All of a sudden, Stephanie's all on the Rick train. Let me see. Let me get this straight. You're offering a stripper your house. You're offering the stripper. A waitress, waitress, a strip club waitress. Oh, uh, a waitress who works in a strip club. You're offering her a place to stay. And then you're offering the waitress at a strip club money to get back on her feet. Ah, Rick, come on, man. She asked him, Tut, why why as far as we know. Guys, guys, she asked him, why are you doing this? Because you're working your way through college, and I want to support education. No, that's not her gig. She doesn't say she's doing the college thing. Why are you doing this? You don't even know me. And he explains that he's been stalking her for several days, and he knows almost everything about her. In fact, he's collected some poop samples from her toilet, Little Richard style. 
and made a miniature Stephanie poop statue out of them for his fireplace mantle. Yes, he has. Well, I've been going about courtship all wrong. Well, actually, Doctor, this is kind of falling in line with some of the stories you've told me. But anyway, of course, of course not. He, is, he only offered his beach house, which isn't necessarily his real house. We don't know this because he's a Hollywood talent agent. We don't know how many houses he has. Man, I got to get me one of them gigs. By the way, did anyone besides me think that uh, Rick's beach house kind of looked like the color of night house? A little bit. A little bit. How'd you get this place? Oh, uh, I'm sorry. Here's my business card. Cade, Hollywood podcaster. <laughs> Dude, I well, think- you see, my other podcaster friend was murdered, and I'm here to investigate that murder. So I'm, I'm taking, taking I'm his podcast. podcast for his group. I will bet you guys dollars to donuts that the new pickup line in strip clubs is that you have a successful podcast. They are millennial strippers. You know, I see something special in you. Would you like to show up on our podcast? You want to be on my podcast? Here's my card, Hollywood Doc. Oh, you have a, oh, you have a podcast? Yes. Then you throw out the Eddie line from Big Trouble in Little China and a whole lot more. A whole lot more. I don't have the podcast. When she asks why he's doing this, as he doesn't even know her, he explains for, for real now. The minute I saw you, I saw something in you. Me. Pussy. <laughs> I saw me in you. I want to be in you. <sighs> Whatever you say, that was bad. That was bad. he actually just leaves it at that. I saw something in you. And she she at this point she accepts it. That's good enough for her. That would have been great, though. I saw something in you myself. <laughs> Doctor, you need to step up your business card game. Man, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm really doing things the wrong way. Over at the bullet-ridden pool hall, the gang's leader, Tiny, the cops left, and they're, like, open for business again. <laughs> Tiny tells a very uncomfortable-looking spider and Blackie that he's got an informant out on the streets digging up information, and they need to prepare for war. Tiny's instincts, he's a good, he, you can tell he's passionate about Satan slaves, but his instincts aren't that great because when he's talking to Spider and Blackie, they're both so guilty looking. Yeah. Ooh. Uh, okay. Uh, he, he doesn't pick up on any of that shit. I don't know anything about the four white guys that came in here and shot everybody up, one with the whitey pointing boots. Blind man that these guys killed their brothers, but Tiny, he doesn't he didn't pick up any of that. He looks down and Blackie's got the boots on, like Dorothy. The red slippers <laughs> are on his feet. He's like, oh shit. Those are those Slim's boots? No, no. No, no. I just I went to Cavender's today. <laughs> You think I could go to Cavender's and be like, hey, I want those white pointy boots, but not the real boots, the half little ankle boots. Think I could get away to that, Cavender's? We'd find what do you having a nice Sebastian Bachish style? We'd get a call from Cavender's HQ to come pick up Tut in a ditch somewhere. <laughs> Spider wanders down to the railroad tracks to meet Ringman, Ice T, haven't seen him in a while, who tells him that he'll pay 200 grand for the 300 grand worth of drugs. The missing 100 grand is the 50,000 spider owes him and the other 50,000 is interest. 
Because Ringman ain't motherfucking Bank of America, motherfucker. Okay. Spider doesn't like it, but if he doesn't produce, Ringman says things are going to get very fucked up very fast for Satan Slave's Aaron boy. This is why I think it is a mob finance movie. They know all about the interest. They know all about the leverage. They know They know this stuff. Get this, once Ringman recedes into the darkness of the railroad tracks, Spider pulls out his Motorola portable telephone, extends the antenna, remember those? That's a total 1999 phone. And calls Tiny to inform him he thinks he just might know who ripped them off. Boys, we got ourselves an old-fashioned double cross. He's going to set Ringman up. Not smart, not smart. At Stephanie's apartment... So you're saying Spider knows how to weave a web? <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yak Boy, what a tangled web we weave when first we practice to deceive. Uh, mm-hmm. oh, here. That's some smart shit you guys usually drop on my ass. <sighs> I don't know, Tut. What do we got over here? I can't see to go with my glasses. What do you got, Billy Shakespeare over there? <laughs> at, <laughs> at Stephanie's apartment, she's half-assed trying to talk her sister Jess into coming along with her as she packs her bags to go to Rick's place. She tells her Blackie will come looking for them, but Jess says, I'm a big girl. Yes, she is. <laughs> and she can handle herself. So a smiling Stephanie, who previously was all about her sister's welfare, smiles. And you know what, Jess? Help grab my bags and help me pack up Rick's Porsche and get the hell out of here. She had, she had her sister's blessing. That tracks. <laughs> but get this. Jess unknowingly grabs Blackie's duffel bag full of their future I, drugs and throws it in the trunk with all the other luggage. And, dude, it's not just a few bags. Like, She's not leaving for the weekend. She's out of there. She packed up her whole life and is like leaving. Okay. I sensed when I saw that duffel bag get thrown in the trunk, we're in for some trouble. Uh-oh, SpaghettiOs. When Rick sees Stephanie in her white leggings and her fuzzy white belly shirt, she may not be a stripper, but she sure as shit dresses like a stripper. <laughs> And then she see, he sees Jess in her oversized sweats, but her clingy yoga pants, Angie Everhart, clingy yoga pants, Angie Everhart, clingy, do I need to say this more? Angie Everhart, clingy yoga pants. Go on. He does not suggest that Jess, the sister, come along for a sweat-soaked threesome at his beach house. And that, boys, that is how we know that Rick Hansen is the good guy. And that is why Tut is drinking the ridiculous as fuck beer. Tut, if you were helping Stephanie escape an abusive boyfriend and Angie Everhart came out to the car, you'd be like, hey, we could all have a I, I really Why? think it's in your sister's best entrance. It's not, it's not safe for her here. She needs to come with us. We should all have a sleepover at my beach house. Quite the stalker gentleman. Well, should, should Jess go back inside and get some pajamas? No, no, no. We'll figure something out. I've got some business shirts she can wear. 
I've got some Rick Hansen Hollywood Talent Agency softball jerseys that we wore. Uh, she can wear one of those. Across, sure they'll probably be two sizes too small for her, but hey, we'll work with it. I mean, they'll actually fit her body, which doesn't really go with the theme of this movie, but we'll, we'll work something out. Across town, Ice-T's ring man pulls up to a construction site, and immediately is a construction worker brings him over a clipboard with some papers to sign. Oh, that was kind of weird. He's a businessman. I approve these two by fours. Ring man. What the hell is that about? Give me that requisition order. <laughs> a PO for 20 pounds of concrete and steel bearings? Okay. Man, that's some straight up hustler shit they're doing to us. Motherfuckers don't sign your TPS reports. Motherfuckers don't get paid. He takes care of some paperwork. Well, this is probably one of his, if he's as if he's worried about fifty grand or a hundred grand or two hundred grand. This is probably one of his fronts. This is how he launders all of his pimp money. I understand that it was just so weird seeing Ice T sign a clipboard with a purchase order for some bizarre construction thing. I don't know why. I just thought it was very weird. Well, you never saw Tony Soprano at the garbage dump no, signing like, TPS reports. When they would pull up to the sewage thing or when they would pull up to the construction sites, like, Tony, we need you to sign off on these uh, ball bearings. Now, this is the point when Ice-T started realizing the dubiousness uh, of this movie, and that was his check that he signed. He was like, y'all got to pay me now. And they gave him the clipboard, and he was like, just, just, we'll write it into the movies. Our son stuck it in his back pocket. Well, right then, Tiny, Spider, and some other bikers roll up and demand to look in Ringman's car. When Ringman refuses, I ain't no punk-ass bitch. A very impressive gunfight breaks out. As the bikers all pull out their guns and start shooting at Ringman, suddenly... All of the construction workers drop their wheelbarrows and hammers and pull out guns and start firing at the bikers. It's like all the rejects that tried out for the uh, YMCA construction worker deal suddenly <laughs> pulled out Uzis. <laughs> Again, it's crazy. It's a front. It's a front for Ringman. What kind of construction site? How into their construction work can they be if they've got an M16 in their wheelbarrow? It's did a legitimate Bob, front. Bob, did that sound like gunfire to you? Get out the lunch pails. Doctor, wasn't legitimate front a who song? Uh, Eminence front. Oh. But legitimate front works too. Legitimate front. It's put on. It's just one random white dude in a hard hat after another getting blasted off the top of like wooden pallets and bags of cement. Some dude's like driving a screw into a thing, puts it down, grabs his gun, gets shot to pieces. It's a great, I love the shootout. It makes no sense. After wisely shooting from behind some wooden pallets for cover for most of the shootout, when he realizes he's low on bullets, Ringman, unwisely, I would say, decides just to walk out in the wide open and fire his last remaining bullets at the bikers. It doesn't pay off at all. He's immediately quickly shot full of holes. I mean, he's, he's dead in seconds. I guess it's a good thing that he has no threshold for pain. Is that right, Doctor? Uh, my God, he's riddled with so many bullets and shells every 
nerve fiber in his gangster rapper body must be on fire with pain. Do you think he'll ever rap again? I'm afraid at this point, it's far too early to tell. I agree. I agree. When the gun smoke is settled, Tiny raids Ringman's Corvette for the drugs. And when they don't find them, a furious Tiny determines they killed the wrong guy. Because he couldn't have hidden the drugs anywhere else but his car. He could have left them at his house or in the construction site or any of his other businesses. They're not here. We killed the wrong guy. All right, Tiny. And 27 others. <laughs> to quote my friend Tuttle, that tracks. We then join Rick and Stephanie in the Porsche as they exit the highway for Point Doom, D-U-M-E. Which, if you don't catch that street sign like I did the first two fucking times I watched this thing, this movie's title makes no sense. <laughs> I The first couple times I watched this movie, I didn't see the Point Doom on the street sign. I didn't see what it. What the hell is this movie called Point Doom? It's so not- it, was, uh, it was just the title? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, but it was like, I guess, you know, made Point Break, which wasn't that big of a hit. But I couldn't figure out why the hell they called this movie Point Doom until the last, the third time I watched the movie. Oh, it's actually a a place. And get this, boys. Point Doom is actually a state beach in California. So I guess the terrible title of this movie is acceptable. But still, I would have called this movie, if I was in charge, Street Passion. Or... Hollywood Nights. So it's better than in Point Break when Keanu shows up. He's all, Latigo Beach. Nice Point Break. Or I would have called this movie Two Wheels of Terror. Or The Erotic Adventures of Stephanie and Jess. No. What about White Boots of Wisdom? White Boots of Lust. Ah. So many better titles for this movie. That's just off the top of my head. Don't give me time to think about this shit, boys. I get dangerous. On the drive uh, to his beach house, Stephanie tells Rick that when she and Jess moved out to L.A. from Phoenix, every guy in town hit on her because of her looks. You know, like Rick did. (laughs) He didn't hit on her. He stalked stalked her. her from his car. But when she met Blackie, he was different. He was genuine. But then he started hanging out with Satan slaves and doing drugs and drinking and everything changed. She's, quote unquote, a little worried about leaving her sister back in town. But Rick, as he looks at the hottest chick in Los Angeles in his passenger seat, assures her, ah, Jess will be fine. <laughs> so Stephanie smiles and lets her hair loose and lets the breeze, the coastal breeze blow through her hair as the Porsche convertible drives down the coastline. Hey, guys, with siblings like these, who needs enemies? My coked out ex-boyfriend who beats me, he won't hurt my sister. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. He only breaks down the door every night to screw me. When he breaks down the door and I'm not there, he won't screw my hot, no. big, sister. Everything here is going to work out, really? Aces. He doesn't know that Angie Everhart has big, luscious melons because she wears those baggy overalls. I mean, it's not like he knows somebody who wears white boots and does crazy things with shotguns. That's that's insanity. 
I'm str- I like Stephanie up until she let her hair loose in that Porsche. It's like, you, you betrayed your sister. You betrayed, you, you bitch about guys just liking you for your looks. You're dri- the guy driving you said he just saw something in your great looks. Some melancholic acoustic guitar music. Play. Oh, God, I hate this music. I love how they describe music in the film subtitles. Because when I do, when I watch the movie for the last time, I turn on subtitles. It describes it as melancholic acoustic guitar music. <laughs> as Rick and Stephanie arrive at his palatial beach house, Yax, did I use that term correctly? Palatial. He's frozen. Doctor, did I use that term correctly? Palatial. Yes, palatial beach house. It was palatial. They go for a walk hand in hand along the water's edge. They talk briefly about Jess's epilepsy. Hold on, look at that frozen picture. Oh, he had the beer right. <laughs> he had the beer right in front of me. Awesome. They talk about their absent mother, and then Rick gives her a piggyback ride down the beach, and then pushes her on a swing set on a playground, <laughs> in the hope of providing a glimpse of the childhood she never had. And then they head back to the house to screw. Do you think I'm reading too much into David DeFalco's script and Art Camacho's? Was that playground montage meant to be just playful sexual buildup, or was he trying to be the daddy figure she never had? Those are two separate questions. So the answer to the first one, are you reading too much into Camacho and DeFalco script? Almost certainly. Uh, what was he trying to do at that point? Uh, I don't know. We've kind of been going this whole route with Rick Hansen from the beginning Considering he's a good-looking guy with a lucrative career, driving a Porsche, and should get laid just by walking out of his house, seems like this guy's kind of a pussy. Pushing her on the swings? Yeah. Let's get on the swing set, baby. You go straight to the beach house. Yeah. Yeah. But definitely too much is being read into the Camacho DeFalco storyboard. Well, yeah, it's not Terrence Malick. We don't need the slow-motion swing set scene. Uh, well, all that is happening. Blackie and Spider and some of their crew show up at the playpen, and when Blackie can't, <laughs> that would be great though if it took a Malik kind of, kind of a was it the, uh, uh, oh Christ, not the New World, but he made the, the Thin Red Line. If all of a sudden she's pushing him, and it, all of a sudden the voiceover comes in, he pushed me on the swings over these leaves, okay. and then we stay, then we stay on a blowing leaf for like two minutes. That, then in the new world, like him and her swimming underwater. <laughs> that leaf blowing across the the doomed lake beach is Stephanie's innocence. Yeah, our Camacho is not doing any of that. And I and I thank him for that actually. <laughs> well, all this is happening, Blackie and Spider and some of their crew show up at the playpen strip club. And when Blackie can't find Stephanie, she didn't show up for work. All hell breaks loose. There's a decent bar fight here. It's not Roadhouse good, but it's a decent. There's a lot of beer bottles broken over heads, punches, a lot of punches. Uh, it's eventually brought to a screeching halt by Dice Man. Sorry, yes. Frankie, who fires a shotgun up in the air and then hands it over to his 300-pound, also wearing overalls, linebacker bouncer Johnny. Blackie promises Frankie they'll be back for him. Well, good for you. Get the fuck out of my club. Oh! Things are heating up at the playpen, am I right? Frankie, Blackie, Speedy, 
shouldn't Rick have been Ricky? Yes. No, that's what differentiates him. Speedy, Slimmy, Frank, everybody else is an IE name. Shouldn't Rick have been Ricky? Ricky Hanson? No, that's what that's what makes him the hero. That's why he's a good guy. That's why he's a good guy. Rick. Hey, again, bravo screenwriter. I'm going to give everybody else an IE name, but Rick is going to be just Rick. Rick. <sighs> A lot going on here, boys. A lot going on here. And things are also heating up out in Point Doom, where despite Rick, always the gentleman, offers to sleep in separate bedrooms at the beach house, Stephanie doesn't think that will be necessary. Cue up some soft jazz music, and away we go. But then the melancholic acoustic guitar music comes up again once Rick removes his shirt. And just as things start to get going and they're kissing in the master bedroom, we fade to black. Screw you, director! Tut, maybe the best pairing in 115 episodes. How can, how can you do this to me? Ridiculous as fuck beer pairs beautifully with Dude, we're finally getting our sex scene with Stephanie, and Greco takes his top off, and we fade to black. Seriously? Somehow Metallica saw this 16 years prior and wrote a fucking song about it, Fade to Black. That's what this song was about. They had a feeling in 16 years from now, it's going to be a movie that betrays everything in an audience's trust and beliefs and what we hold holy in cinema. They're going to... They're, Dudes, dudes across the nation are going to have their hopes crushed and dreams banished because they're going to see Richard Rico take his top off. And right when Stephanie goes for a bra, fade to black. That's this, what the song is about. This was the scene that broke Tuttle's back. Slave to love. La, 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 la. No, we didn't even get that. We got melancholic guitar. And I honestly, as I'm watching this, I'm like, when that scene starts with them in the bedroom, they're like, this is when I start getting the text from the boys. Thank you. How do you do it, man? How do you find these movies? Like, God bless you. And guess what? The text didn't come. Have they ever? I've got some good text. I can't escape. I will be your slave to love. There's definitely been some movies where I have, like, shot Kate a text saying, this this is what we're about. This is the stuff that I love this show for. Yeah. This movie did not get into back, that. Back in Los Angeles, Blackie and Spider paid Jess a visit. Didn't see that coming. And when they can't find Stephanie or the duffel bag full of drugs, they rough up Angie Everhart and take her with them as a bargaining tool. Well, I mean, if maybe they had like interrupted her, if she was giving herself a sponge bath, but you, you, know, it's, you. Again, it's okay. Again, the sisterly bond they share alerts Stephanie that something is amiss. I'm she, sorry. I'm I'm going back to the sponge bath part. That was Cody, like Cody. Could you describe the sponge bath a little bit more? Oh, he froze up. Ah, oh, I mean, he froze up. Okay. What what would she be uh, doing with those sponges? I'm asking for total. Soaping up some orbs that shone in the moonlight from the windowsill. 
Orbs? Orbs, round objects, caressing her neck with a natural sponge. Hands above the table, boys. Let me see the hands. You know what? This just blew my whole mob-financed theory. You cannot tell me that a mob-financed movie didn't have Vinny the Chin back there going, no, trust me, guys, you're going to need some boobs in here. You're going to need Stephanie. You're going to need her to take her shirt off there. You don't want, don't do this fade to black nonsense. You get that shit out of there. As she lowered herself into the bathtub, into the steaming bubbles. Yeah, I can't, I can't, I can't listen to that. Ted's taking off his headphones. Can't take it anymore. Doctor. As she lowered herself into the bathtub and the steaming bubbles, the fog on the windowsill began to coalesce in a way that made one wonder what happens when the stars shoot across the sky and Angie Everhart is in the bathtub. Does the night sky descend in upon itself? Does the ground fog rise above the weeping willow tree? What happened? Oh, sorry. What you doing there? I do a little writing on the side. Let me see your hands. You, him. Yeah, I saw what he was doing. Yax, let me see your hands. <laughs> Tonight, the sultriness, sweat beads under the chin. Uh, sorry, sorry. You've heard of penthouse letters, the doctor's letters. Maybe I should stop writing TNCC reviews and start writing for Tet Penthouse Forum. I agree to be your editor. As she began to soap herself, the bubbles popped in the air like forgotten promises from a lost solar system. Poetry! What's going on over here? Go on. Yeah, see? Oh, so, uh, we, got, we, we, got, uh, we got a show to do. We got a show. Way yeah. began to take on an entirely new meaning as the clock struck the witching hour. <laughs> Listen, Stephanie senses that something is amiss with her sister, her hot horny sister. So she awakens from her post-coitus slumber. Yak boy, did I use that right? Post-coitus? You, you used it correctly. Yeah, we didn't see the coitus. You should probably describe it the way it was written in the script but not shown within the film so that we could all partake of the... Now you're going to make Doctor describe the love scene that we didn't see and that Everything was sensual. The sounds of the animals could be heard outside, like the thrush of the woodcock and the lowing of the moo cow. (laughs) (laughs) Gorged member. Rick's turgid purple manhood began to leap forward, trying to find the warmth of a newfound home. This is the definitely the part on when I go to the monetized portion of the YouTube playlist, and I'm like, is there mature content? <laughs> yep. I don't think Purple Manhood qualifies yeah. for... Uh... Oh, we'll find out, I guess. Pink sunlight rose in the eastern sky along with Rick's desires. She knows something's fucked up with her sister. As the waves broke on the shores of Southampton and New York, it was only a matter of time before Stephanie 
would come to understand that Rick was not just a talent agent, but a man of many talents, as he put his hands on the sweat. Hey, 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 hey. Hey. I'll save it for my review. Help, help a brother out. Tuttle's getting flushed over there. Flushed? We stop. My penis can be only so erect. <laughs> hey, Kane, just like you say, I'm sorry, guys. It's a gift. Hey, you don't sell the steak, Doctor. You sell the scissor. For the tenth time, she she gets that something's fucked up with her sister. And she jumps up out of bed to check on her. But when she does, guess who answers the phone? Blackie. How could she not see that happening? Asshole. I was blackout drunk the first two times I watched this flick. You kind of have to be. And even my dumbass saw this coming my way. He's going to come there and look for in his drugs. When they're not there... He's going to beat up, rape, and murder his sister. And then I cut to Stephanie in the Porsche convertible with her hair blowing in the breeze. She completely lost all credibility with her choices. Strip club waitress. Well, Rick and Crab spawned on the beach. Under no, the stop it, stop it, stop it. Martha's Vineyard. Oh, <laughs> Well, Rick and Stephanie race back to the apartment, and when they discover Jess missing, big whoop, Stephanie puts the pieces of the puzzle together and deducts that Blackie's duffel bag full of drugs and cash must be in Rick's trunk. He pops it open. Yep, it is. So they jump back in the Porsche and race off as Rick says, we don't have much time. How's he know that? Where do they go? Well, where does Rick always go? The playpen. I'm hungry. Let's go to the playpen. Uh, they look at the carnage when they walk in from the brawl, the Satan Slaves fist fight there earlier, and they enlist a very reluctant dice man to help them save Jess. He wants to call the cops. This shit has gotten too big. We got to call the cops. We can't call the cops, Frankie. They're going to kill our sister. You and me, we got to go in there with Stephanie and beat these bikers. There is a great moment here that I think about since I've watched this movie so many times every day where once (laughs) Richard Grieco's like, we can't call the cops, Frankie, you and me and Stephanie, your waitress have to put our lives on the line. Your club is trashed. We have to go save her sister and we're probably going to die. And there's this great, great moment. It's just on dice. He puts the world's longest cigarette in his mouth. And it's just on him. And he's like. I hate this. I hate my life. This is my life. I hate it. (laughs) Dude. I don't know why. But dude, I laughed so hard at that dice man moment. I hate my life. This is it. Like, 40-something years, I'm here, and I hate, like, I hate my life. It was, it, it was, I'm sorry, I'm going to say it, a very intimate, honest moment in a movie that didn't deserve an intimate, honest moment. 
I just, I'd laugh my ass off at that. I hate my life. But he agrees. He agrees. I'm going to go with you two fucking psychos and try to solve this without the police. He could just stay put in the strip club. He has no stake in this game. But if he loses Rick, he loses like 40% of his profits. <laughs> As the last rays of magic hour danced upon Dice Clay's forehead with the magic of a Porter Banzas <laughs> Indian summer, he smoked a cigarette and declared that his life had been worthless. Hemingway shit, man. That's Kerouac out the ass, bro. Is he wrecked? Member yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. Oh. Let me tell you about my Longfellow. Oh. <laughs> well, look, Dice doesn't have much time to reflect because while him and Rick are bullshitting about their stupid plan to get the bikers, Jess takes Rick's Porsche and heads out to save the day by herself. I don't know about you guys at this point. I was smelling double cross, like Anna Nicole and uh, not Skyscraper, but the other stupid movie where she was like a double agent. I smelled copper tone oil and the unwashed shanks of a young woman's thighs. Uh, Sorry. I didn't say Stalin. Well, all this is going on. Spider and Blackie have taken Jess in a beat-up Mercury Sable, teenage doctor style. Hey, that car gets you late, brother. Dude, you're driving around. All of a sudden, they ditch their motorbikes because they have a hostage. You're driving around in your old Mercury Sable. It's inconspicuous, and it's hot. No, it, the first part is right. It's, <laughs> it, it's inconspicuous. Nobody's calling a Mercury Sable hot. Her blossoming womanhood opened like the petals of a flower in front of me. <laughs> but look, they take the Mercury Sable out to an abandoned cabin by a nearby swamp to lay low. Blackie calls the playpen and tells Stephanie where to meet. She goes back uh, to the playpen. And he tells Stephanie when she answers the phone where to meet them if they ever want to see her sister alive. While he's making the call... Spider attempts to rape Jess, but she just cracks a beer bottle over his head. It's like that 10th beer bottle cracked over the head we've seen in this movie. And runs through the woods with Spider in, once again, boys, hot pursuit. Where the Sebastian Bach chasing was kind of cool in that he didn't know how to drive a car and was smashing into everything. This seemingly 15-minute foot chase is just boring and terrible. It finally ends with Blackie cutting her off at the pass on a dirt bike and telling Spider to drag her back to the shack. Dude, it's the most uneventful, stupid chasing we've ever seen. Yeah, you could have easily cut that. They can't all be winter cells. Sorry. You know what is a winter time? What is a winter? That's right. I'm talking about the sweet, aromatic smoke pouring out the foot of a Pappy Van Winkle's Family Reserve Barrel Fermented Cigar from Real Estate. This unique stogie is a long filler, premium cigar rolled in limited quantities at La Gran Fabrica Drew Estate in Esteli, Nicaragua. Deep barrel fermentation is the key process that makes this expression vastly different from anything else on the market. 
Hand-selected leaves from Kentucky are packed into small croquettes, which are then loaded strategically into oak bourbon barrels. Water is then added, while immense pressure is applied to the croquettes via railroad jacks. Not car jacks. Not wolfman jacks. Railroad jacks. The tobacco is removed two to three times per year, shaken out, we've seen it done, then repacked. Total process of fermentation takes 12 to 18 months. That cigar you put in your mouth probably got two years of work put into it, leaving a truly unique flavor profile and aroma. The Pappy Van Winkle's Family Reserve Barrel Fermented is now available at every brick-and-mortar, Drew Diplomat retailer everywhere. And if you'd like to smoke the unique pig-sized Vitola of the Pappy, head over to pappyco.com as that's the only place you'll find. Happy Co. So it turns out that Stephanie fled the playpen to go tell Tiny, the gang leader at the pool hall, about Blackie ripping the gang off. And once she accomplished that quick mission, she returns to the playpen to get Rick's help in rescuing her sister. And then Um, there was like this, is this where you get the Tiny? uh, No, 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 I'll I'll get to that. I'll get to that. The montage? Yes. No, we'll, we'll get to that. I'm sorry, guys. At this point, I don't care how stunning this woman is. At what point does the incredibly successful and handsome Rick Hansen talent agent say, fuck this shit. I'm going back to my beach mansion and getting some sleep. About four days ago. <laughs> what the hell? This is a lot to fucking deal with. This goes beyond, like, I'm late on my rent. Or my boyfriend's an asshole. This is kidnapping, drugs. Like, dude, you're Rick Hansen, Hollywood talent agent. Fuck this shit. I'm going back to my beach house and sleeping. That's what I would do. Her inviting wetness seemed to offer up promises unfulfilled. I say that's what Not I would do. Doctor, I say that's what I would do, but. Maybe I wouldn't do it. I don't know. <laughs> nope. He still thinks there's something special about Stephanie, and he wants to do this together as a team. It'll be their first special thing they do together. How about painting with a twist or axe throwing? <laughs> or all that other stupid shit, new couple? Any, literally any activity that a couple would do that doesn't involve killing people. I don't know. I, I was just thinking a movie. Or having, enough, or having enough dope in the trunk of your car to send the rest of you to San Quentin for the remainder of your life. I'm just thinking, go bowling. Maybe putt-putt. <laughs> nope. How could this have happened? I don't know, Rick. Maybe if you didn't go to a strip club every day to eat lunch, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. <laughs> this isn't like going down to your local diner. We got the best bacon and eggs. Oh, the eggs. You should try one of my omelets. Oh! oh! Back at the swamp shack, Black and Spider are injecting Jess with some drugs set to some... Hey, these subtitles told me dark atmospheric music. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Dark atmospheric tones. And instantly, she's seen tracers and tripping her pendulous Angie Everhart boobs off as we see the bikers through a distorted lens laughing and like distorted looming over it's a hallucinatory spectacle isn't it doctor sure is i guess if flickering cabin lights and the guys laughing and coughing all over the place is art somehow 
It also seems to last much like that chase scene on foot for 15 Forever. minutes. Ever. Oh, my God. Oh, God. By this time, can't this movie be over with? It almost is. To Stephanie and Rick go back to his beach mansion where she questions as he gets a revolver out of his kitchen silverware drawer. Is the gun really necessary, Rick? Also, why was he keeping it in the kitchen? He's Rick, a Hollywood talent he, agent. Rick, <laughs> that that's it. right. It's the one place he wouldn't go because he would have hired help there. Rick explains that Blackie, remember this, Stephanie, Blackie killed a bunch of his own gang members. He almost certainly have a gun on him. So, yes, this is the right call. <laughs> I guess I just knew a different Blackie, she says. She still loves him. Seriously, motherfucker. Wish her, wish her good luck and good tidings. Go upstairs and go to sleep. The smell of damp honeycomb and the song of the whippoorwill as she put her hand inside his pants gave him a thought of promises heretofore unfulfilled. All hands on deck. That'd have to be some pretty good promises unfulfilled. Well, Tut, when you read my novel that's about to come out, <laughs> Doctor Wood Bath of the Point Doom Night. <laughs> nope. <sighs> Boys, it's only midnight, so Rick tells Stephanie to go upstairs to the master bedroom, get a few hours rest while he stands guard. At this point, I'm still thinking double cross. Stephanie is playing Rick like a violin at the Saps convention. Am I right? No, I've checked out of this movie. It's not going to go there. We then hear some dark atmospheric tones as we see a montage of Tiny at the pool hall. Dissolve after dissolve dissolve of him standing around, loading his gun. (laughs) Why do all these gangsters use revolvers? There's like guns that hold 14 bullets. No, I want one that just holds six. That's good enough for me. He's peeling. They don't, Dude, they don't need 15 shots. They only need one. There's even a part of this montage where he's so torn. He's they just show him peeling a beer label off a beer bottle. Here's the thing, though. Stephanie told Rick he Blackie just joined this biker gang like recently. Why is Tiny so torn about killing? It's not like a lifelong. We've been biker brothers for 20 years. No. They, it's like a new thing. Uh, it's supposed to well, show. He apparently got through, through the intense vetting process to get within the gang. I was like, how did this scene not get cut in editing? It's supposed to show us how tormented Tiny is before he marches off and kills his fellow biker brother. Does this vest fit you? It does. You're in. It shouldn't be a big deal for him to kill Blackie, but. The dark atmospheric tones tell us otherwise. As the melancholic guitar played and the perspiration sprouted on her tan, supple backside. <laughs> Go on. I think I've got a new career here as a romance <laughs> novelist. Well, now it's Rick's turn to pull the old sneak away trick. As Stephanie sleeps, he grabs the duffel bag as Dice Man pulls up in his driveway. In another Mercury Sable, Doctor. 
Are we sure this wasn't a cheap Ford Taurus knockoff? Because the Sable is a cruiser. I think it was a Chrysler. I think it was a Chrysler LeBaron. Yeah. They're going to go take care of this mess. They drive out to the swamp where they find Blackie's Mercury Sable, so they know they're on the right track. Okay, so we know why Rick is doing this. Tits and ass. But why is Dice sporting the leather duster gunfighter jacket and going into battle? It doesn't add up. No, as you point out, that's his best customer. He's got to save this guy. Yeah. But you know what? Okay. him for business. Yeah. At this point, I'm with Tut. It doesn't matter. Which, by the way, this is 115 episodes in a row where I've typed the words, it doesn't matter. In my <laughs> Usually on page one. <laughs> Rick spots Jess rolling around down the beach. She's not having another epileptic seizure. She's just rolling around like a fucking catfish thrown on the beach so he hands dice man his revolver blackie said no guns so he's going to be looking for this back me up on this one brother i got you oh oh as the glistening dew materialized on dice's mercury sable okay tut maybe maybe and there's a lot of leeway here I'm graining myself. Maybe if some dudes kidnapped your wife, who I'm quite fond of, and you were like, Cade, I need you to roll with me. No cops. If we're going to save your wife, who I like, I would go with you. Yeah. The waitress at Dice's strip club, he has no connection to whatsoever, no emotional attachment at all. And he is a job. And he's all in. I'm just saying, Rick, that spends a lot of money at the playpen. I'm just saying, Tut. He's got the high roller treatment. I like your lady, so there's a chance. In this scenario, if I'm Dice Man, you're on your own, cowboy. I'm going back <laughs> to the club. I'm mopping up the blood, and I'll be open at 9 a.m. for Rick breakfast. I think we should take a moment to all appreciate that no one in the history of the human race has ever given this much in-depth analysis to point to. Well, that's what we do. That's what we do. If nothing else comes out of this, we've done something that no one else has ever done. As the bird song awakened Dice as he walked along the beach. He doesn't walk anywhere. He just stays by the car. Sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm in it. I'm in it right now. I'm in it. And he's about to pay the price for that, by the way. Uh, back in the master bedroom, Jess wakens up from a nightmare where Spider and Blackie have broken into the beach house. They're about to kill her. And guess what? The minute she wakes up, she looks at the clock. It's 3 a.m., the time they were supposed to meet to save her sister. She jumps in Rick's Porsche and heads off at a high rate of speed to Point Doom. Back at the beach... Spider easily sneaks up on Dice Man. He's just sitting there chain smoking a cigarette. <laughs> I hate my life. I hate my life. Caught him on the back of the head, which probably would be what happened if I went to help Tut save his wife. <laughs> I hate my life. To get over the back of the head. I, my life. I can see that. Fox him out with a billy club. Mm. Uh, well, Blackie immediately sticks a gun to Rick's head as soon as he removes the gag from Jess's mouth. When Blackie asks where Stephanie is, Rick tells him, we can handle this on our own, man to man. 
Did you honestly think you were going to fuck my woman and get away with it, Blackie asks? Fair question. As Rick gulps, he says, look, I brought you what I wanted. Can this just be over? But what Blackie wants to do is punch Rick right in the face, sending him flying down the sand right by Jess. Stephanie then pulls up in the Porsche, discovers Dice Man's unconscious body. But guess what? Rick's pistol that he gave Dice Man is laying there nearby. That made sense. Yeah. Spider wouldn't take that. No. Down on the beach, they got the duffel bag, so Spider doesn't see any sense hanging around. Blackie explains they still need to keep Jess as a hostage to get Stephanie back. But Spider isn't hearing any of that bullshit as he turns his back to Blackie and starts marching off. That's always a big mistake in these movies, as Blackie shoots him twice in the back, TNCC style. (laughs) But right before Blackie can shoot poor Rick, Stephanie is on the scene and she fires a couple warning shots in the air. She still sees something genuine in her boyfriend. For some reason, we'll never understand she doesn't shoot him. Instead, I hate she- my life. I hate my life. I hate my life. Everybody at this point hates their life. Everybody on set was, dude, the camera guy was like, oh, God, I fuck. The script. I went, the, I went to the USC film school. I hate my fucking life. I'm shooting Point Doom. Fuck me. The poor 60 year old lady doing the script supervisor. I hate my life. Well, she gives him just enough time, Blackie, to commandeer the gun and start kissing her. I love you, Stephanie. I did this all for us, he tells her, before tossing her in the stand. He starts to undo his belt, I guess, to rape her. Show him how much he loves her by raping her. He's an animal. I'm guessing that's what's going to happen because dark atmospheric music begins to play, as the subtitles told me. But he doesn't get his Levi 501s off before Rick regains consciousness and tackles Blackie to the ground. They pound it out fist to face, fist to face, over and over again. And just as Blackie's about to finish Rick off with a crowbar that for some reason was lying on the beach. <laughs> where the fuck did the crowbar? It is L.A. It's, it's a dirty L.A. beach. There's probably a lot of shit hanging around. Stephanie shoots him once in the back. But as Rick, Stephanie, and Jess walk off, we see Blackie's fingers twitching in the sand. And I've seen enough of these movies, as have you, Doc, to know that he's not quite done for, is he? That's a, it's an old horror movie staple. He's not going to go out that easy, <sighs> especially considering the abject ridiculousness of the entire thing that transpired on the beach. Yeah, it was so stupid. I mean, for God's sake. The, yeah. the trio make their way back to Young do- young Doctor's Mercury Sable, where they find Dykeman <laughs> stumbling around. My head! My fucking head! My head hurts! Ow! <laughs> the camera wasn't on him. He, he didn't realize that. He's just like, oh, my fucking head! I'm in this fucking movie! I don't know why, dude. I just, every time D- Dice in this movie, I just laugh. My head! My head! And I start thinking about, remember that scene in, in Ford Fairlane where he falls off the Capitol Records building and he's like falling down like 100 feet and he's like, my hair, my hair, my head, my head. <laughs> they all climb in the mid-sized sedan, doctor style, and just as they start to leave, Blackie jumps on the hood of the car. 
Rick hits the gas. All of a sudden, we're in Halloween 4. Rick hits the gas, sending Blackie up against the windshield. Then he hits the brakes, sending him tumbling forward. The biker gets up on his feet, Michael Myers style, and pulls out his gun, but a stone-faced Rick, he's had enough. Rick Hansen, talent agent from Hollywood, has had enough. He hits the gas pedal without hesitation. He doesn't have those little white, those crazy white boots on, so he can work the pedals perfectly. Right. Peels out, runs over the bad guy. He's finally dead. Fade to black. That is a fade to black I can get behind. Thankfully, Unlike- because I thought the movie was over at that point. Nope. We cut to the next morning as waves crash and seagulls fly over Point Doom. Hey, that's my stuff. Blackie is still alive. No real surprise there. We saw the finger glitch. And he struggles to stand up as Tiny zooms in on his motorcycle and immediately pulls his gun on his former confidant. You killed your own brothers and for what? Drugs? Money? The Satan slaves are a brotherhood, you fucking asshole. But isn't that what Satanism is only about? Selfishness and self-gratification? That's like the definition of Satanism. Yes. Yes. Look out for yourself. You're now and not looking forward to anything. Look out for yourself. Number one, that is Satanism. Well, Blackie doesn't point that theoretical point out. He doesn't get into the history of Satanism. With, with, uh, or, or Tiny doesn't. Instead, Blackie says, I'll split the money with you, Tiny, and the drugs. Dude, he's shot full of holes. He's been run over by a car. The simple solution when Tiny found him would have been to shoot him on sight and live to be a street gang member yeah. for many years. Let's not have any sort of conversation. No, he's got to talk. Tiny says, I'm not agreeable to those terms, Blackie. So he shoots him, and, of course, he gives him ample time to shoot him and both Blackie and Tiny collapse dead on the beach. We then cut to another shot of waves crashing on the beach, only this time we find Rick and Stephanie strolling along, holding hands, and they, for some ill-conceived reason, decide to let the Dice Man take her mentally handicapped sister, Jess, out for some breakfast, because how could that go wrong? Hey, you like eggs? No, he actually said that. You like bread and eggs, honey? I'll buy you an omelet or something. Oh! Where I come from is called Pasta Fazool. Gabagool and eggs. Oh! Ooh. How about a fruit salad heavy on the cantaloupes? Oh! The cantaloupes would be her boobs. Yes, we're well aware. <laughs> I got a little chorizo for that. Oh! But our two lovebirds couldn't give two fucks about Jess right now. That, that's a growing theme with Stephanie about not caring about her sister. As Stephanie is put back on her white stretch pants and as warm orchestra music builds, Rich kisses her and he tells her he's so thankful that she came into his life. Yeah, and now I'm going to come into your sister. As the warm orchestra music played over the rising sun, pink clouds wispy in the west, as the sand crabs crawled along the beach, Stephanie is inviting wetness, promised something that Rick had never before seen or felt. Uh. Tis the end of this regrettable motion picture. 
but not a doctor's oh. novel writing career. <laughs> My God, doctor, you have a way with words. Um, no, no, everybody's <laughs> happy now and behaving themselves. We see Blackie's Satan slave's jean jacket wash up, wash up on the beach. We shift to some moody hip hop music, like Johnny Utah's badge and Point Break. It's Blackie's jacket. Blackie's jacket was be. Oh wait! Wow, the director signified an ending to something. We shift to some moody hip hop music provided by Ice T, and the movie is over. The end. Thank God. <laughs> You're welcome, boys. You're welcome. Not an unentertaining picture. Um, the thumbs up. I'm gonna go. I mean, you know what? I'm gonna go thumbs up. I, I think um, I think I kind of enjoyed this movie for all the wrong reasons. As the doctor gave a thumbs up and the moonlight <laughs> showing through his palatial estate. No, I, I, I th- there was a. I gave Jess a thumbs up. I gave. Oh. I gave her two thumbs up. Oh. Uh, Man, it's a cheesy movie. Uh, you know that from the minute you see Sebastian Bach. I think you, you kind of know this is cheesy. Um, Dice is always great. Love to see him. He like, is always great. Talked about Ice-T and his energy. Dice, whole, Dice elevates everything he's in. He does. He does. He does. We talked about it with the Anna Nicole Smith movie. that He, he really – this is a guy that uh, – no, no contest, which is also a TNCC episode. You can go. He really should have had a larger career as an actor, just because he's so good at everything. He's got a great presence. Um, this movie's cheesy. Um, one thing we didn't mention in the in the cement mixer shootout, I, I felt like they kind of run out of money because I thought the sound effects, the guns going off at that point, were pretty bad. But. Uh, um, the whole, the whole, I think we kind of all agreed the whole denouement on the beach, um, got pretty ridiculous, but I, I enjoy, I, I give this movie a thumbs up. I enjoy it. I think possibly for some of the wrong reasons, it was cheese ball, uh, but it, it entertained me throughout for, for, you know, good and bad reasons. I love to see comedians explore their talents in on film outside of their their stand up like stand up comedians i think dice especially the movies we've featured on the show but some other stuff i've seen him in is really good at playing off his his persona and doing some interesting things it makes me kind of sad because the only thing we really got from sam kennison was back to school and he was so memorable in that. I would have loved if he had lived longer to see what he could have done. Yeah. I loved, man, it's not a good movie, but I loved Bordello of Blood because to see Dennis Miller as a leading man in a horror film, that in itself is really fun to watch. I, I like seeing, we're going to be doing a movie later this year, sneak preview. I'm going to give you guys a, a spoiler alert. Uh, Kevin James of King of Queens, and he's in a new horror film as the bad guy coming up. It's called Becky. We're going to be doing it on the show because I want to see it. It looks amazing. It may backfire. It may be terrible, but we're going to do it. I love seeing com- comedians 
pushed out of their comfort zone and because they're they're naturally to be a comedian you've got to be fucking weird you've got to be fucking socially awkward and has some internal craziness going on and i think that can only lead to some interesting stuff on screen um i i really like what dice does and every time we have dice on the show it's like a third dice man movie pretty in pink no contest this and every time he does something different and it's he's just steals the show yeah um so yeah for that for dice alone it, it was it was a harmless thriller i guess you'd classify this as a thriller or a action somewhat actionary kind of a combination of the two right i mean a thriller and an action movie but you know what that opening rock song which you guys made fun of a lot i kind of like but you guys were pretty hard on it. they this movie also featured white zombie music motley crew duck mckagan music like that yeah but they they only did it like in the first 15 minutes of the yeah, movie but, but when i looked at the money <laughs> they ran I, out of money. But when I look at the soundtrack and I'm like, Motley Crue, Duff McKagan, White Zombie, I'm like, this thing actually had some money. And it was actually filmed professionally. It looked like a movie. Yeah. yeah and all joking aside, Bach, Ice-T, Dice Clegg, Rico, they're not making A-list salaries, but none of them are working for peanuts. This did cost some money. I don't know. I, I think we've seen a lot worse on the show. Oh, sure. Sure. I've seen a lot worse personally. Yeah, oh, well, God, yeah. I mean, I've, I've seen the worst <laughs> of uh, Okay. Well, two thumbs up for me and Doc. Thumbs down from Tut. Uh, immediate. Yak Boy wimped out and went the sideways thumb. <laughs> you know what? That's not a wimp out. I, I can appreciate that. I can appreciate the halfway. Okay. Uh, well, we... I'd say we haven't done a movie like this, but that Charlie Sheen biker movie was kind of just like this. Uh, but not quite. These were different bikers. It was a different biker game. And that was Michael Madsen. This was some dude. I can't. I, we never mentioned the actor playing Blackie. Uh, but he did have those Matt Cade-esque blue eyes. Oh, my God. Mesmerizing. Tuck, give us the links. Alright, join us on uh, YouTube, Tuesday Night Cigar Club. Subscribe to us. Enjoy us. Uh, go to Facebook, Tuesday Night Cigar Club. Join us on Instagram, TNCC underscore podcast. See all of our beautiful photos. Uh, join us on Twitter at TNCC cast. If you're going to do some uh, cigar shopping, hit the banner on the Tuesday Night Cigar Club dot com, the famous smoke shop banner. Do your shopping, plug in TNCC20 for a promo code. You get $20 off if your order is over 100 bucks. That's like 20% off. Amazon. Amazon, if you're going to do some shopping, go to TuesdayNightCigarClub.com. Click on the Amazon banner. Do your shopping from there. Gives us a little kickback. I don't have the corona. It was just a sneeze. Just mm. A- mm. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. Uh, it was a- hey, the movie was what it was, but it was a fun show. I've got a crazy pairing coming up for our next show. You guys are going to love it. I'm talking to you boys on screen and 
you listening and viewing. We're going to have at least the next two shows I'm super pumped about. Great pairings, great movies, great times. I, I can sense it. I can smell it. I'll tell you what I can smell. Ow! May the wings of liberty never lose a feather. Sayonara, motherfuckers. Stay safe. Stay healthy. We'll see you next time. So let me get this straight. They watched the one Angie Everhart movie where she doesn't grind some lucky bastard into orgasmic dust with her pendulous knockers. Well, doesn't that just blow big old donkey dicks? What's next? Are they going to do a movie where Richard Greco bangs the hottest girl in Los Angeles and we only get to see him topless? Oh, wait, that was this movie too. Thanks for nothing, you useless jackasses. Anywho, to learn more about the cigars enjoyed on tonight's episode, you can visit room101cigars.com and famoussmokeshop.com. Wait a minute. Pendulous? Seriously. Bodacious, I can understand. Or maybe even pneumatic. But Pendulous does this Titian Tress temptress and her gravity-defying bosom a severe disservice. I'm just saying. For more on O'Brien's Irish Pub, the live music leader in Central Texas, please visit O'Brien'sTemple.com and download their free smartphone app where you'll find full beer listings including over 40 on tap, menu information, and a calendar of upcoming live events. To listen and purchase music heard on tonight's program, check out www.fritzbeermusic.com. Thank you for listening to the Tuesday Night Cigar Club podcast. This is Keith A. Howell saying until next time, friends, unless we see you sooner at the pub. So keep it smoky, and for God's sake, keep it ballsy as well. Get drunk, go to sleep.